All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Woodwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Come with freaking balls, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. This is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the KCP and studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo himself, Eddie Ortiz. Yo-Yo-Yo. Miss Gat is on the ones and twos, as always, keeping this thing together, keeping this thing from falling apart, as uh, we always appreciate all of her hard work and diligence. Guys, episode 81. We're here, man. It feels like uh, just a couple days ago that we were actually getting ready for the football season. And what do you know, man? We're in here uh, getting ready to actually recap football, which is something that uh, we have not done in what feels like an eternity. And needless to say, we're very happy about that because we have so much to talk about. We have a lot to talk about in regards to the game on Thursday night, how well the Chiefs played, and uh, how we expect this season to continue for the Chiefs. Uh, For all of our live streamers, our YouTubers, and our podcasters, Thank you so much for taking the time to, to hang out with us and to, to give us an opportunity, a platform in your routine uh, to, to talk some sports, man. And if you guys have anything you want to hit us up with, you can hit us up on Twitter at The Spoken Pod. Uh, you can hit us up at KCPN on uh, YouTube. Subscribe to that. Hit us up on Facebook as well. We'd love to have you guys join us up and uh, to talk sports throughout the year because things are just now kicking off, man. Football is here, and we could not be more excited here at The Spoken Podcast. And, and, and what an eventful night. In the world of sports for us to unpack. And for me personally, it was by far the best night of sports for me since February 2nd. And I think that goes without say. So I've had some time to wait in anticipation to witness both LeBron move on from one game from the Western Conference Finals, in which everyone told me uh, he wouldn't dominate the West like he did in the East, and yet, here we are. And of course, the running back tour is kicking off as the Chiefs rolled the Texans with relative ease, and I promise... Again, we will recap the Week 1 matchup in just a moment. But first, I want to begin with something else. We all know life is hard. We all know this. We, we all face our own challenges and levels of difficulty in our own personal life. Life is hard. Overcoming stuff is hard. Being successful, being consistently successful is hard. If anyone knows this fact, it's the Chiefs franchise. We don't need a history lesson here tonight to know that it took 50 years for the Chiefs to achieve that ultimate goal once more in becoming champions. And any Chiefs fan above the age of a toddler understands the hurts and pains of the losing and falling short. It's hard becoming a champion in the NFL. But the Chiefs did it. They achieved it. Despite how hard it was. And now that we've turned the page and be- began a new chapter, a chapter, chapter titled The Run It Back Tour, we for some reason have a plethora of national sports media members reminding us just how hard it is to repeat as champions. Statements like, no one has repeated since the 2003 and 2004 Patriots. It's the famous line everyone has gone with. 
We've had former players slash sports radio hosts slash hot take pundits like Ross Tucker from CBS write articles giving us, quote-unquote, several reasons why the Chiefs won't become back-to-back champs. And just like the rest of his peers that copy and pasted the lacy talking, the talking points, Tucker's reasons were groundbreaking points like injuries happen. You now have a target on your back. You won't be as hungry. And, of course, it's hard. Who do you think you're talking to? (laughs) You're talking to a fan base that understands that fact better than most. You don't think we get that winning championships should be appreciated, admired as the rarest of accomplishments in sports? That it could literally take a lifetime to witness as a fan? Read the room, people. We aren't basing our confidence that this Chiefs team can and will run it back simply because we love this team. Otherwise, those of us in local media would pick them to do so every year. And if anyone has followed our work here at The Spoken, last season was the first time in my lifetime as a lifelong Chiefs fan where I actually picked them to do so. Because the Chiefs finally have what it takes at head coach and quarterback to build around and excel in. You know, I never believed in the meant for each other until I saw Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. They are the perfect head coach, quarterback duo. And we get to watch them go to work and dominate their competition for at least another six seasons. But even with all of those beautiful facts aside, it's going to be hard for the Chiefs to accomplish what their new goal is in running it back and building this dynasty that so many national talking figures refuse to believe can and will become. And that's okay. Because if this team has shown us all anything, they've shown us that overcoming how hard their challenges might be isn't as hard for them as it might be for other teams. Now moving to Thursday night. We all knew that the Chiefs, the face of the NFL, Patrick Mahomes, the Texans, their superstars and Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt were going to do something to show and express solidarity with their fellow pro athletes and leagues to combat police brutality and racial injustice. And they did. And it was beautiful. But of course with that comes the distractions of what occurred in the stands of Arrowhead. And look, I will admit that when I watched it live on my TV, it sounded like a great number of boos joined the rain as they poured down upon those players, making and taking an historic stance in unison. And I was heated, admittedly so. I was embarrassed and I demanded from my city and fellow Chiefs members fans better because I believe we're better than that and can continue to get better as a collective. I tried my absolute best to focus on the game and enjoy the masterful performance this team displayed on both sides of the ball, but I'd be lying if I told you that it wasn't still bothering me deeply. So when I woke up this morning around 6 a.m., I discovered a a video on Twitter from a man by the name of Josh Stockman who suggested that although there were boos, it wasn't as it seemed on live TV broadcasts. To which I shared this gentleman's video because I want to get it right. I've talked about this on the show many times. 
I don't want to lead a show and group of sports fans that blindly follow a biased narrative in any regard, especially in regards to something that means so much to me personally. My team, my city, my people of all races, ethnicities, and cultures. So here are the facts. There were people booing. There were people foolishly chanting political rhetoric. They were people screaming, play football. And for those people, I am ashamed. There is no place for those acts of cowardice and ignorance in a time of unity. But this video warmed my temporarily hardened and broken heart because of every fool there was an army of Chiefs fans that stood, cheered, and expressed their own level and respect and solidarity because that's what the entire movement was all about. Solidarity. Look, I, I realize that you're always going to have those that refuse to contribute in making our world a better place. I've accepted that. But I want to commend my Chiefs family for dominating in numbers and contributing to the cause on Thursday night. I cannot stress that enough. Thank you for doing your part because it's all that anyone, and myself included, could ever ask from any of you. Thank you. Now, we're going to move on to some football, guys, because we had uh, an, an incredible game, a, a game that I have been waiting for. I, I feel like it was the perfect game to start the season, not just for Chiefs fans, but for football fans, to see the demonstration of greatness from one Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Guys, we're going to recap this game to the nth degree. I mean, we're going to cover everything we possibly can in this game. So I hope you guys sit tight and get ready because this next segment, we're going to be talking about this Chiefs team that supposedly was supposed to have a Super Bowl hangover. I don't know about you guys. I didn't see much of a hangover. We're definitely going to touch on that. So be ready, guys, because this next segment's about to be awesome as hell. So we'll get back to that after this. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KCPN studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell, Eddie Ortiz, and Gad on the ones and twos. Uh, she might be the only one that is not hungover tonight. And, and I mean hungover because I feel that whatever goes against the team, it, it affects the fans. So we're, you know, forgive us for having to wear glasses, guys, because the lights are a little bright right now. All offseason, I mean, I know you guys are probably hurting. I've been trying to take, like, DayQuil all day. I'm not feeling any better. Hopefully the Chiefs are feeling okay because what I've been told all offseason, even going into last night, was that the Chiefs are supposed to have this horrific Super Bowl hangover. You know, they, they've been just feeling themselves all offseason and just, you know, having these incredible, you know, parties and stuff. You know, you're, you're talking about a team that, you know, with the Super Bowl hangover, they were, they were talking uh, shit all offseason, having nightly parties at the clubs via Zoom. There's no way this Chiefs team could possibly come into week one prepared to take on the pressure of being defending champions. Right, guys? Yep. Wrong. The Chiefs not only looked like the Super Bowl 54 champs, they looked even better, even scarier. So let's start from the top. Soon to be two-time MVP and two-time Super Bowl MVP, Patrick Mahomes was nothing short of efficient and lethal. 
The Texans kept the Chiefs' deep shots at bay with the cover two scheme, forcing the Chiefs to work underneath, and Mahomes did just that by completing a measly hungover version of a 75 completion percentage of his passes along with three touchdowns to three different targets. Should have been five to four different targets, but D-Rob went D-Rob, but we'll discuss that in a minute. And Andy Reid looking like Iron Man and Darth Vader's love child with that face screen fogging up on him. We now have Mahomes throwing no-look passes and Andy calling no-look plays. This offense was insanely impressive with their slow, methodical drives, which isn't something we've seen from Mahomes since he took over. And I tweeted out the stat I found early this morning in my diligent research portion of my morning, guys. Before coffee, by the way, because again, the hangover is kicking in, so I'm just trying to survive at this point. The Chiefs ran the ball 34 times in Week 1's matchup against the Texans. That's the first time the Chiefs have ran the ball that many times since their Week 16 matchup against the Miami Dolphins of the 2017 season. Ironically, one game before Patrick Mahomes had his first start in Denver in Week 17. I believe this has everything to do with the rapid emergence of the Chiefs' budding superstar running back in Clyde Edwards' hell yeah Hilaire and his historic performance on Thursday night. But let's start from the top again. Trevor and Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, hopefully you guys can stay alive in this segment because, again, I know what we're going through right now as is, is fans. The headaches are kicking in. The lights are hurting us. We almost did the show, you know, with no, no lights, no video because there'd be no point. You wouldn't be able to see us. But, Trevor, I'm going to start with you. How impressed were you both with the way Mahomes and Andy led this team and Thursday's fundamental beatdown on the Texans? I mean, we, we, we looked like we were in, if not midseason form. This is supposed to be the preseason for everyone, right? Because we didn't get a preseason. So everyone was expecting rust. I know we didn't have the greatest first series. But, I mean, after that series, everything was pretty much, you know, Mahomes. But my takeaway from it is Mahomes didn't play great because he didn't have to. Right? Mahomes played to what he had to do. He was taking what the defense gave him, and we were pounding the rock. It was nice to be able to see us be able to do that. You know, since Cream Hunt, we haven't really been able to do that. We haven't been able to get away with doing that. Um, and I, I really think, similar to Cream Hunt, similar to, similar to his first game as a chief, we wanted to kind of make this a, you know, you graduated to the big boys league kind of game for them. You know, putting right. first thing our running back, our feature back onto the scene. And that's definitely that was my biggest takeaway offensively was that Andy Reid was really pushing to get Clyde established as a true you know NFL uh, caliber running back. And um, for me, man, I mean, I couldn't be happier. The kid performed and exceeded all of our expectations. One of the greatest debuts in NFL history for a rookie running back. I mean, in this system, he's going to thrive. And the best part about it all is his, if not his biggest strength out of maybe making guys miss, is him in the passing game. And he had one target. We didn't even get him involved in that yet. I can only imagine what the kid's ceiling is going to be once we start involving him in the screen, screen game. You know, and, and, and oh, it's just, the, the, the kid's ceiling is so high, we can't even see it yet. Um, so that, that alone was exciting enough for all of us, you know, as far as my takes go. So um, defensively, man, um, I don't know if you want to jump into the defense. Well, I mean, more than anything, I want to get your thoughts first on Patrick Mahomes and Andy yeah, Reid and how well they did. Yeah, I mean, Pat just, it's, it was just a solid game all, all around for Pat. It wasn't, like I said, it wasn't a great game. It was a really, really good game because he didn't have to play great. We didn't need to depend on him to make great plays. We took control after that, that, that David Johnson score. We absolutely took control of the game after that and scored 31 unanswered points in mm-hmm. a flash. It felt like it was a flash. You know, we scored so quickly. Uh, well, not necessarily quickly, but efficiently. 
um, in which you know we're not used to having slower, methodical, uh, he- run-heavy drives. It was nice to be able to see us play complementary football, but the other way around. Not necessarily, you know, having to have good run plays here and there to complement the passing game. Yet having good passing plays complement the running game that was that was so dominant. Um, that was my biggest takeaway from that. But Pat, I mean, I give Pat a solid B, B plus. Um, just because he didn't have to, you know, exceed anything, any expectations. He looked like he was in midseason form already. And with this being, you know, the 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 get your feet wet kind of game, it already looks like he's ready to go. And he's, as far as my expectations go, he was he was meeting him. And you know, that's he was pat for me. Yeah. Eddie, we're trying not to be too loud. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, I know the, the voices are probably hurting the <laughs> shit out of your eardrums right now. They are. Uh, I, had ch- I had to change glasses because uh, I needed to see. Fair enough, a man. Little bit, you know, Hopefully, like, you can get the you know the redness I, and vision, water out yeah, of that. Vision's yeah. important. Vision's important. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you gonna go to lens crafters after this? <laughs> yes. Um, so the question is, what I took away from Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid? Yeah, their correct? performance. Yeah. Uh, look, guys, we gotta cut this shit, man. First and second quarter, we can't deny the fact that it was a super, super slow start. It, the way the, the first drive was just completely, you know, sloppy. We get it. There was no preseason. We it get was it. wet. It, it, it was, yeah, yeah, you can say that. It was, it was raining all morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just sloppy overall. Like, uh, the O-line was sloppy. It was, it's like, it was like a, a preseason game the whole first quarter, both sides. Patrick Mahomes wasn't making those throws that he usually makes. You know, he was overthrowing guys a little bit. Uh, those quick slants, he was overthrowing them or underthrowing. Or, you know, so they were struggling a little bit. They were struggling a bit. Uh, but mid mid uh, mid second quarter, uh, once uh, they 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 started getting going a little bit, uh, I believe what, what's his name? Well, Semele, the the old line. Mm-hmm. He started fucking. He started you know stepping up boy. and yeah. started make creating those holes for uh, Edward Teller. You know, just Get in there and make those cuts, man. Uh, and what I, I'm just gonna talk about the punter right now. <laughs> that beautiful hair, man. Yeah. I gotta give him props for that. That Thor looking motherfucker. Exactly. Yeah. That was beautiful. I was like, who is this? I, I like, like him. I'm, I'm gonna hit him up. <laughs> What's his Twitter handle? You know? Uh, not not your daddy. That's what it is. Okay, now, Don't ask. Uh, now, now that Eddie's uh, pants are back on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, not but for once once sec, uh, second quarter got well mid through. Uh, we started seeing the Patrick Mahomes that we saw last season. Yeah. Uh, we started seeing the play calls being the right play calls. You know, the Texans were closing those big, big plays, but uh, they were creating those quick, you know, those quick passes, those quick slants. You know, uh, Tyreek Hill. I don't think got a catch until the second quarter. Yeah. Really slow start for him. Uh, we didn't like. We really didn't see Tyreek Hill. If you really think about it, they were bracketing. They're, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So they were trying to keep the over the top. Plays. Travis Kelsey had, I, I believe. Uh, 50 yards or whatever at the end of the game. Uh, Sammy Watkins had 50 yards. <coughs> uh, so, yeah, you can tell they were spreading the love. And, and like like Trevor said, they were, Andy Reid was just we you know, trying, to, yeah, trying to focus on that run game. I don't know. Like, they just wanted to make, make a statement with that run. Like, we know last season that's where they struggled the most. Yeah. Even though Damian Williams did a, a phenomenal job, it, it, the run game just wasn't there. And, and I think Andy Reid, this going into this game, wanted to make that statement, wanted to tell the fans, "This is why I drafted him first round." Yeah, it was like trying to shove him up our face, you know, kind of like get us, you know, stop talking about that. Yeah, why, why running back first round pick? Yeah, I will say too. You said we started off slow. We did in a sense, but we actually came out 
trying to threaten them deep. With that, D-Rob dropped a touchdown that should have yeah. sparked the... That know, was a dime. We actually started. We actually should have started off really hot with that deep throw because that was on point. D-Rob yeah, just dropped, dropped it. it. It was a great throw. It should have yeah. been a touchdown right from the it, jump. It just that, was a yeah. slot. Uh, Patrick got sacked, I believe, in that first yeah. drive. I, I mean, it was just sloppy. Overall, we, we can't. I mean, it was sloppy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they had, pl- they had them play football in, what, six months, I believe. So, it was sloppy. Uh, we, ha- we had to accept that fact. But they got this shit together in the second quarter. And they dominated ever like, right after. Like, they dominated the entire game after that. Yeah. Yeah. Defense. Well, uh, sne- uh, <laughs> I don't know if we want to talk about defense. Well, no, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, I, okay. I want to add. But, to, yeah, to, Patrick, to, yeah, Patrick Mullins and Andy Reid. Uh, B B plus. Okay, fair. well that that's what's incredible. Was, yeah, was, that's what's incredible about Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid is that the standard's so high that you'll yeah. give them a B when they go and score thirty four points in an opening game when they didn't have a real off season yeah. per se. It's incredible, especially when you're implementing rookie players into your offense to be a pivotal character. Yeah, I just don't think Randy Reid felt threatened at all. I mean, I feel like and I, I like the fact that the run game has become such a at least to this point, for that matchup in particular, it's like a, something that they're actually using yeah, because like defenses, be yeah, because defenses are going to try to take the top off of the Chiefs' offense. So what now? They have now what the Chiefs' next move is. Okay, let's prove that Patrick Mahomes can do fifteen play drives. Mm. Let's prove that because you know they obviously are a four to six play drive, then get a touchdown type of offense. That's where they've been since Patty took over. Now let's show them that he is growing into a complete quarterback to where if you're not going to take give us anything over the top, we'll you know take those you know second and sevens and convert them into a third and two and then get the first down and do the same thing over and over again. Like, and the red, zone, the red that. zone efficiency was so huge right. too. Finishing in the red zone. Because there was times, I mean, obviously since Pat's been the quarterback, we haven't had to worry about that too much. But there has been time in Andy Reid's tenure He's tried to get too cute in the red zone. Now we have that guy that can blast it up the gut or bounce it on the outside and get in the in the red zone. But that play to Kelsey, that strike up the middle from Pat to Kelsey when we were within the, the tens, that was huge. The and, then that, that, and then that Sammy Watkins straight, you know, out but then right he, to the end zone. Yeah, I don't know. Play. I don't know. I don't think Edward Taylor is a, a, a big guy to, to make those goal lines. He's so elusive, though. Yeah, he is elusive, mm-hmm. but we saw what J.J. Watt just did yeah it's like a wall not just, just not only was it his first game Clyde Edwards Lair's first game but he was going against a front seven that is respect you have to respect oh, that yeah, front yeah, seven yeah. of the Texans but in regards to Clyde I mean I knew he was going to be special I mean when the Chiefs took him you saw like I, I retweeted a video that I posted after the draft of a Buccaneers podcast uh when you saw these two fans that run their own show like we do when they saw that that Clyde went to the Chiefs they're like all right season's over <laughs> Why are we going to play this season? I hope we cancel. It's over. They're going to win the next two Super Bowls. Like that's how impactful he's going to be, and everybody knew it. Uh, but I didn't expect him to look that special that quickly. Yep. And if you took his name off the back of his jersey last night or in Thursday's game, I would have swore that he was a four-year-old, four-year NFL veteran. Yeah, and that was with the expectations that we yeah. had. You know? yeah. So he exceeded that expectation. A historic performance. i got to give Clyde a ton of credit. In fact, I would give him half the game ball. My, my other game ball, the other portion of the game ball is going to come in just a second because I want to talk about the defense now. Yes. The defense didn't look great for the first three drives like Eddie alluded to, and that's very fair because we were talking about it during the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but something that got overlooked last night was the fact that the defense did not get a single penalty. 
So for them to have quote unquote rust and having the Super Bowl hangover and implementing new players into this defense to have zero penalties against a high flying type of offense with players already out like Mike Pinnell yep. and Bashad Breeland, guys getting hurt like Shavarius Ward breaking his hand. And, and the offense too, they didn't get a flag until what the third quarter. Third quarter. So, too, that, yeah. that that's beyond impressive for a number of reasons. But what I what I believe this defense will look more like in times than not. The reason I believe they're going to look more like they did in the in the second half more times than not is because of the fact that Frank Clark and Chris Jones are healthy and together, and they were dominant in this game. Man. And Spags utilized them perfectly against a good Texans Texans offensive line. They, their offensive line has improved dramatically. But we have to take a second to give praise to one luxurious Sneed, or as I've now coined him on Thursday night. Lord Jarius Sneed, because mm. Lordy, Love. this guy was playing supernatural football for his first game. I thought the game ball, I talked about Edward Solaire should have got half of it. The other half needs to go to goes to go to Lord Jarius, because this guy absolutely played like a veteran on the other side of the ball when we needed him the most. I mean, we would not have Rashad Breeland. Charverius goes down. We have Rashad Fenton and a, a bag of marbles out there. Lord Jarius goes out there and does his thing. Two rookie debuts. You get a pick for one of our rookie defensive players, and then you get you know the outstanding breakout play, uh, player in Clyde. Unreal. So, so, so what was your guys – I'll start with you, Eddie. What was your takeaway from Lord Jarius Sneed's debut? It was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Overall, the defense was great. Uh, like like I said, like the whole game was just sloppy in the beginning. Uh for some reason, we just couldn't stop the run. What the fuck was Neiman doing? Like trying to like not tackle players? Like what, what was he playing? That's what you get when you play a special teamer, you know, with like, you know sixty snaps. Well, like what happened to Willie Gay? Like, well, that's actually my next question. I want to ask you guys. Yeah, like I, I was pretty pissed. You have theories on this? I was I was pissed that I did yeah. not see him. Like I was like, you're gonna put Neiman in there after you just saw letting that dude just. Run by him, yeah, not man. doing anything. David I, I, was so, I was so pissed. I texted you guys, like, what the fuck are we playing? Flag football tackle? <laughs> yeah. Like, are we serious? David Johnson was, like, jogging into the end zone. Exactly. I, I mean, that whole drive just yeah. fucking completely pissed me off. And I was like, it's going to be one of those seasons again. I, our, I cannot, our linebackers look like I, shit. Yeah, I, yeah. I was like, I cannot believe this. Like, this is worse than last year's defense. Yeah. They can't stop anything. They couldn't stop no passes. They once, once the second mid-second quarter got in... They started getting that rhythm. Third quarter came in. They were they were, you know, being solid. Fourth quarter they just completely. It was, it was a complete shutdown. Third and fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, he got those. What was it two touchdowns in the fourth quarter? But uh, like we talked before, they were gonna be uh, garbage. Yeah, that's what that, that's what I predicted. Okay, I, yeah. I felt like the Chiefs were gonna come into this game and they were gonna absolutely dominate time and possession and create the tempo, maintain the tempo. Keep the ball out of Sean Watson's hand because he is magical. He I mean, is. We see it. We do see it. The dude is absolutely magical. It's going to be tougher for him this year without Nuke, but he's still going to make shit happen on the field on a week-in, week-out basis. Yep. But the Chiefs being able to dominate the time possession like they did, and I predicted that Patrick Mahomes was going to have three touchdowns and Clyde was going to have one on the ground. That did happen. And that the Texans were going to score garbage time. To me, I just felt like the, the, on both facets, on both sides of the ball, the Chiefs just absolutely dominated their opponent. Who a lot of people are still like I, I believe you both, unless I'm mistaken, picked the Texans to make the playoffs, right? Yep. Or maybe Eddie, did you pick? The, I did. I know Trevor did. Yeah. Regardless, yeah, I have And we talked to Ron. We talked to Ron Hughley last week out there in Houston. He believes believe he believes they're gonna I, make I, the playoffs. I think, they, well, I think they have a, a good team. It was just a, <clears> it wasn't a matchup for and this, him. This was kind of the, this was kind of the point I was gonna make though about the AFC guys. As let's say let's say that the Houston Texans are the class of the AFC South. Whether I believe that or not, let's say they are. 
For the Chiefs to dominate an AFC South opponent is huge because what have, what have we been talking about the last couple of years? The Chiefs struggle against the AFC South. We saw it last year, and they won the Super Bowl last year, and they struggled against the AFC. The only AFC South team they beat in the regular season was the Jaguars. So for them to start the season off by getting that monkey off their back, that shows you how much better this Chiefs team is even from last yeah, season. You're getting off a, a, off a win of Deshaun Watson, so yeah. it, it, a big name out there. You know, like people are, are, are saying, exactly. They're trying to pair him exactly. with Patrick Mahomes. Is that yeah, like yes. we talked about last week with yeah. the I will say, I will say this is an unprecedented time that we're living in this whole entire year, so it's an unprecedented type of season. We're one of the few teams that has come, had consistency within our locker room, with our roster. Coaching we, staff. We, we, yeah, we basically did. We're one of the few teams that benefited from not having a preseason. Absolutely. We didn't really need it. Because we have that consistency in our locker room. We have our roster set. Everyone's, everyone's ready to go. The Texans weren't. The Texans had to revamp their whole entire offense. They rebuilt their wide receiver core because they don't have a true number one anymore. That They're was big, self-inflicted. Though. Right. No, no, no. Yeah. And, and that's what I'll say, too, about um, us defensively. This is, which is why I had my prediction score at Chiefs 41, Texans 31. I did, I did grant the Texans some garbage time points, which they did get. I expected them to score a little more when the game was a little, <coughs> you know, a little more tight. Um, I didn't expect two shutout quarters. Which I was very well surprised about. I loved it. Um, I because if you watch the game, which I watched in the tape again today, the Texans played damn near empty the entire game. They were, they had all their speedsters out there wide out wide, they, I, and I, that's why I expected them to get some points because I, I expected them to beat some of our corners, our unexperienced corners. Uh, Sneed being one of the guys I want to, I didn't expect him to look as good as he did. Lord Jerry, um, yeah, and, and, yeah, kudos, and kudos to Spags, man. Kudos yeah. to Spags. He had his young guys ready out there, and I loved and it. At the beginning, they were going towards Sneed because they knew yeah. that he was the weakest. They were thing. attacking him. Yeah, yeah. And even that and, interception, there was a yeah. floater that landed right to him. But at the same time, he was in right. He was in the right place at the right time. It was Tyler Matthew that put that. that pressure on Deshaun. Yep. Yeah. That was that was a Marcus so. Peters interception. Still missing Marcus, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was in, that was a Marcus yeah. Peters Come interception. I gotta give props to Juan Thornhill, who was out in that field yesterday. Yep. Uh, I, I honestly did not expect that thing. I thought he was gonna come into week three, week three against the Ravens. I thought they were gonna give him a couple weeks, you know, uh, acclimate to the team because I know he started practicing a little bit later than the other guys. So I gotta give him some credit on that. Uh, he did look a little rusty. I'm not gonna say he, he, he had Step a great slow. game. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he had a, he's coming off a but massive Tyron injury. Great, man. Tyron, oh yeah. He looked, he looked like a guy that still hasn't won a championship. Tyron, yeah. he looks so great. For Sammy Watkins, love. Sammy, okay, we have to talk about it because I'm so <laughs> glad somebody just brought that up because I was going to go with the wide receivers, but we'll go, with that, we'll go with that route for a second, literally and figuratively, because Sammy was getting early love in this game. I, I, saw, I saw something. You know what's weird? is I feel like the last time we saw Sammy get that kind of love, and not playoffs included, obviously, was week one of last season yeah. against the Jaguars. Where he absolutely snapped. Now, obviously, he didn't put up the stat line. Yeah, he didn't put the stat line up. But see, this is what I love about this offense is that Tyree Kill, like Eddie talked about, almost looked like he didn't even was even playing. I think we had somebody say at our our house the other night, he's like, "Is Tyree Kill even playing?" It's, but yet whenever Tyree's getting taken out of the game, they're double teaming him, or Travis Kelsey's not as effective as we you know expect him to be. You have that third option that Sammy Watkins yeah. would be a number one on most teams. Oh, yeah. And proven, he bowled out last night in that first quarter. through that playoffs. So they, they, if you take out Tyreek and, and Travis Kelsey, who's a to-go guy? Sammy Watkins, Sammy absolutely. Watkins. Well, that trust is finally there. We're starting to see that, too. Yeah. Uh, because their last season, there was a little bit of mix-up you know, with either Sammy running the wrong route or and, and, him and Pat just running the same At the beginning page. of the game, you can tell like uh, Patrick wasn't still throwing too much to Sammy. Uh, he was focusing on Robinson for some fucking odd reason. Yeah. I still don't understand why he's playing over Hardman. Like, I don't know how 
Uh, yeah, it's a trust factor. Yeah. I, believe. I think it's a trust. Well, factor. that's what I was going to ask you guys because I wanted to move to that. Um, yeah. But one more thing on Sammy, I, I, I think also we have to remember this too, guys, that he took a significant pay cut to pay stay in Kansas City. So incentives too, yeah. are going to be his goal for sure. Oh, yeah. So he's going to try his very best to put up a, a career year, which won't be hard because his career best is I think scraping a thousand yards and like seven <laughs> touchdowns. He's so, not Kelvin Benjamin. That's very true. Who was yeah. a, what, did they, what did uh what did Booger Booger McFarland say? He's a taco short of being a tight end, <laughs> something like that. I think that's what he said. One that's one of like the three things Booger ever said that was funny. Yeah, we got playoff. But, <clears throat> we got playoff Sammy last night. Man. But we got playoff yes, Sammy. Thank you. We, we got did. playoff Sammy in week one. That is a great sign. Yep. But to move to I don't want to call it the negative. We have to talk about it. We have to talk hey, just, about D Rob. Just say how it is, bro. D Rob dropped two fucking touchdowns, this man. Does. And they hit him in the. I mean Patrick on that first throw. I know. I know the first drive was a little clumpy. I will yeah, give you that. Yeah. But that throw could not—he could not have walked that down the field and put it in his hands. It was a little better. late. It was on the money. It was like white chocolate shit. Dude. I think you like, should have thrown a little earlier though. But yeah, it was on the fair money, enough. For sure. It was on the money. And then the second one when Patrick had the fucking uh, that that, oh, that, that's, that it's, it's, jump, it's vintage. That, yeah. was that, that jump yes, side. The side going to the left throws it like you know like he's oh, yeah. throwing like he's turning two like he's a shortstop turning two yeah. And it's on the money, and D Rob just drops it. There wasn't even a defender there; it was no. uncontested. Yeah, and he just dropped it. Yeah, that was guys, time, dude. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong here. Has okay, maybe I'm wrong here. And again, we got to give credit to Patrick. Despite those two tr- drop touchdowns, he should have had five. He did move to fifty percent of his starts, and he's now thrown at least three touchdowns. That's insane. He dominates September, um, man. Are you guys with me in the idea that it's time to give McCall Hardman, like Eddie was just yes. trying to talk to? Is it time? This guy, they they traded up to get this yes. guy. Yes, yes, sign me up. It's time, yes, right? Sign me up. I think to we give saw, him those snaps, se- give him season, D-Rob snaps. Last season, we saw the same shit of uh, with, with Robinson mm-hmm. dropping fucking passes. He's inconsistent, like, but he has big games, like in that ro- that Oakland game. The, no, big game. Other, other he has one big game per that, season. Other than that, tell me what other game he had that was big. Well, we can talk about Sammy Watkins in the same way, though. He was the Ravens and Raiders game. I will give him that. The Ravens and Raiders games last year, D-Rob came he up was big. Huge. He that's came up big. I think he had four he's, touchdowns in those two games. He's spotty. He's, he's, he's what, the fourth, fifth option? I mean, my point, though, my point, though, is that we know that Patrick Mahomes is the type of quarterback that likes to throw to all receivers, right? He doesn't want to just focus on one guy. He likes to spread the love. Okay, if we're going to have a quarterback, Quarterback with that mentality, we need to have guys out there that are reliable, yeah. that are catching passes at all times. Guys, McCole Hardman was catching a touchdown every six receptions last season. Yeah, every six. That's hard. That's hard to keep up because was, I'm was, not saying he will. Yeah. My point though is this guy is a playmaker. <laughs> that was ridiculous. He goes out there and gets yeah. touchdowns. D. Rob's dropping touchdowns. He's, he's definitely the better raw athlete. I just don't know how consistent he will be. I, he, he, he's the better player. I'm not going to act like he's so not the better player. So what's the point of not giving him I, I think, I, yeah, I think as the season best, progresses, because last year, last season, in the fucking field. last season he was getting around 20, 25% of the snaps. So it wasn't like, you know, he was getting but a lot last, last year, year either. He, he was, was just making, he was yeah, making he big, six touchdowns. Yeah. He was making big plays when he had the opportunities. That's for sure. And D-Rob definitely owned the percentage of the snaps last year yeah. too. So. And people can't say it's a special teams thing. Because Tyreek Hill in his first two seasons. No, 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 that's not true though. Because Tyreek Hill for his first two, almost three seasons, he was playing special teams and was leading the league, leading the team in receptions. But he didn't have to compete with many other people like Hardman does. The Hardman has yeah. to compete with Tyreek and these other targets. He's not competing this. with those guys. Those guys are clearly the number That's one. That's what I'm targets. saying. Tyreek didn't have that though. My Tyreek point, didn't have those my guys. My point though him. is, it's even easier for guys like McCole Hardman who have to return punts and have to return kicks no. to go out there and get a couple receptions. That's why game. McCole Hardman thrived last year because everyone else he was the fourth, fifth, sixth. All the more sometimes. reason to have him get more receptions this season. Sure, sure. No, no, I, I, I agree. He's the better player, and I think he should get more. And I think as the season progresses, he will because I think he's the better player and by far the better athlete. But I do think, I do think him being the kick return and punt return guy does 
play into it because I don't want to risk him getting hurt because I don't know who would be doing it. And we don't want to have Tyreek having that, those duties anymore. He needs I just fair catch it every time. Do Fuck you, it. He did it anyway. Do you think Andy Reid doesn't true. trust his route running? I, I don't think, it, I don't think it's not, about yeah. trust. I think, what, I think what they're trying to do is give uh, is give uh, Demarcus Robinson a place on this team. Because let's be honest, if D-Rob's not out there trying to catch, catch balls, what is he doing on this team? He's not returning kicks. He's not out there playing special teams. So what? What is he gonna do? Very so they got they got to try to get him in position. He yes. runs good routes. Just catch the damn ball. But man. that's that that is yeah. literally eighty five percent of his job. You have to catch the pass because he's gonna <laughs> get open. Yeah. yeah. D. Rob's getting those one on ones. Yeah. And he'll burn a motherfucker. He'll yeah. burn a third string cornerback. Yeah, he proved it. Uh, he and he's proved an ideal. He's an, he's an ideal size uh, receiver. He's he's tall and he's really fast. So he's just got to. He, he has be the deadly. build of a good wide receiver. Yeah. It's just that. His, you know, butterfingers. Butter you know, That's what know. I'm saying. We saw this, ironically, against the, the Texans Harris last, against, the, against yeah. the Texans in the playoffs. We saw D-Rob drop two, not yeah. one, but two pivotal third down catches. Yeah. This is not okay. He, he needs to work on this. But in the meantime, I would like to see McColl get more snaps. I'm just a McColl guy. I think uh, with this sure. offense, you put him and Tyreek Hill on the same side of the field. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. And I love McColl's that, that, uh, confidence, too. That's like, getting two, full, that's like getting two Lamborghinis and just putting them full blast yeah. on the side. Like, you're not stopping those guys. But I think at this point, though, that he's still looked at as, as a slight gadget guy. I still think he's looked at as a slight gadget guy, not a true receiver yet. And I think that's why the trust isn't fully there from Pat yet, for him to run the right routes and be on – you know the timing of it all. I, th- I just think they trust D. Rob still because he's been he's been in the system for what four years now. You know, so I just think I just think it comes down to the trust thing, just like it similar to was when when Sammy first got here. There wasn't a lot of trust there with Sammy. Even last year, there was some trust and you know, some miscommunication between him and Pat. So I, I give him a cold time. You know, similar to I mean, he's not Tyreek. Tyreek burst on the scene because Tyreek is a do it all guy. McColl's not that guy. You can you can get McColl in space, and he can make, but he's not nearly as agile as Tyreek was. He's not, not necessarily the freak that Tyreek Hill is making guys miss. He's a straight line speed type of guy. So that's I, I, I do expect his his snaps to and his snaps and his receptions and targets and everything to progress and progressively go up as the season continues. I do want to talk about another guy in the offense, and Eddie already mentioned his name. Um, the best offseason acquisition by the Chiefs this year is Kaleche. Osimile. Hmm. We knew when healthy, Osimile is by far one of the best guards in the NFL. He's a beast, man. He's a well, boy. he's healthy, and he was absolutely dominant in Thursday's game. Pancake and fools left and right, creating gaps for Clyde while simultaneously providing Mahomes with protection needed to dissect the defense. Osimile is everything the Chiefs needed at guard. And, and as I told Trevor earlier today, we were talking, uh, losing LDT was tough because he's a damn good guard and Mahomes trusts him. That's the biggest thing. But Osimile, without question, is an upgrade, and I am glad the Chiefs landed him. Guys, yeah, what was, uh, Eddie, I know you alluded to it a little bit, but Trevor, sure I want to start with you. Uh, what did you take away from Osimile's week one performance? Man, do you I think mean, it's sustainable? There was a couple plays where he whipped a couple guys, but overall, I mean, for an for a veteran player to step in and, and look that ready and be that, you know, and give Pat that time, I don't know how you can't be impressed. You know, when as soon as I knew we signed him and I got that alert on my phone, I loved it because I loved it. I've always liked that guy as a player. He's a he's a gamer. He's a lifer. He's one of those guys that's just gritty. Yeah, um, he'll take on the challenge of you know the pressure coming up the middle. Um, and every big run from Clyde, every big gaping hole that was that was provided was from a simile. You go and you watch the tape. Any big run that that he had. Assembly is right there in the middle, just blasting, blasting fools and 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 and, and smashing guys, pancaking guys, like you alluded to, IHOP style. <laughs> I mean, I-hop. yeah, endless yeah, yeah. pancakes, it was endless, Bottom absolutely, absolutely. 
Extra, Brought to you by Osimile. Extra butter. Yeah, he was lubing extra them up. Extra butter. It was, man. I can't, there's not much else to say. Every uh, The run game was moving because of him. Yes. I mean, and in the addition of the elusiveness of Clyde. But I will take that combination all year. If that's what we got to look forward to against one of the a good defensive front, that's not, a, that's not some slumpy defensive front we went up against. And once we, I mean, within our division, we're going to destroy these guys. If we, can, if we can run the rock 25 times and get, at, what was he averaging? What, almost seven and a half? Eight and a half. Eight and a half, eight and a half yards, yards per clip before that garbage time. This is almost, it's going to be a fun year, man. It's going to be a fun year. Yeah, so, I mean, overall, I mean, this is a long season, guys. And the Chiefs are going to have their challenges. I mean, they got to go to Baltimore. They're going to have to go to Buffalo. Yeah. Those are not going to be easy games. Oh, yeah. But I think, like I said, what the Chiefs did last night was establish dominance because they knew the narrative was out there. As I started the show with it, that everyone is of this belief that the Chiefs just can't keep going the way they've gone. Yeah. There's just no way. But see, what people forget so conveniently is that if we're being honest here, the Chiefs should be going for a triple backer. They should be going for three straight Super Bowls right now. Yeah. So this team has actually been robbed of an opportunity. So they feel slighted. They feel like they've been gypped of an opportunity to continue this this path that they it, most people think they just started. Well, that's the this has part. been going on for three years. That's the funniest part about the hangover narrative. Like I'll, I'll quote Nick Wright. He talked about it the other day. The hangover, the Super Bowl hangover, isn't given to the team that wins the Super Bowl. Thank you. It's given to the team that fails in the Super Bowl and loses because you have to deal with that defeat on the high, on the biggest stage, and you have right. to try to come back from that. And why do people? Here's another thing, real quick, because I'm, I'm going to move to the Eddie Hour in just a second. Why? It's so funny to me that you know we we could all say comfortably whether you want to give the Chiefs the credit or not. They are a team now that have proven themselves, right? Like they are a perennial Super Bowl contender until further notice, right? We for the next three to five years, more than likely, the Chiefs are going to be Super Bowl contenders. So why is it that we we negatively look at it when people say they when people pencil it in to make another Super Bowl run, but yet the Patriots were doing this for years and years and years, and we're sitting here just penciling them in each and every year, and the reasons would always be well they have Brady and they have Belichick, yep. the Chiefs have Andy and Mahomes. Why is it that they can't get equal respect in that regard? Because I guarantee you, and I don't remember I was young when the Patriots won their first Super Bowl back in '01. But why is it that, that they can do that and they go on their run in 03 and 04 and go back-to-back? People start giving them that respect. Do, do the Chiefs need to reel off back-to-back titles in, for, in order for people to start saying, well, they have Mahomes and Reed, let's just pencil them in? Because I don't feel like that's actually the thing that we're giving, we're getting from the national attention. Not that it really matters, but that isn't something I'm hearing. Is that, Well, that, that alone will put them in the AFC Championship. Because if we're going to be honest for a second, the only reason why the Patriots didn't go to even more Super Bowls is because Patrick or, uh, Tom Brady had to face Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger, guys that were either just as good or even better than he was. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes doesn't have that guy right now. Deshaun Watson is awesome. He's not at Patrick's level. Lamar Jackson is a better athlete. He's not the same kind of quarterback. What are, where's the competition in the AFC? Where's the Peyton Manning? Where's the Ben Roethlisberger? That's my point, is you don't have those guys to combat it's Josh, it's Josh Patrick Allen. Mahomes. So why is it that it's equally effective, if not more effective, to pencil them in as perennial Super Bowl contenders? And you guys, what, do you, what do you guys think about that real no, quick? No, and what, what plays into your point even more in the, in the difference between even Brady and Belichick is Belichick is a defensive-minded coach. You know, he's not the, the offensive mastermind that Andy Reid is. Andy Reid's not only the offensive mastermind that he is, he's the head coach of this team, and he has the best quarterback in the game. You combine those two, that in my mind, that's even more deadly than Belichick and Brady because Belichick was more focused on defensive schemes and videotaping other practices of other teams, <laughs> you know, things of that sort. So 
you know, you don't have to worry about that with Andy Reid. Andy Reid is very he's, – he's, he's walking hand-in-hand hand with Pat. They have a great relationship, unlike Brady and Belichick at times. We've heard a lot of different weird things about the relationship that was on and off. He would very, very rarely, you know, compliment uh, Brady. It's just the whole – this is just a different thing over here, man. The way we're building it is just different than the Patriots' way, and I love it. And I think it's it's unique, and we by far have the best combo of the coach and, 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 and quarterback. So we, for the foreseeable next four, five, six, seven years, should be the favorites, if, unless anything dramatically changes. Well, I, I do want to add. I do want to add to Eddie's uh, talking point. Shout out to Chiefs' new punter. Tommy, I can't believe it's not our punter, he Townsend. Nice, he, he looks punter. just like Fabio. It's insane. He needs to be doing those butter commercials or not butter commercials, whatever. Oh, man, that's hair, he man. is a six-time Fabio lookalike contestant champion, dude. Oh, he didn't like, even that's... know it. Like, he won those on accident. It's like it was like a flowing. Fun, it was like a, a like a, what was that shampoo commercial? The, the yeah, like, yeah, Panty like Pro Yeah, Brad Pitt Troy. Yeah, he's like Rhaegar Targaryen for Game of Thrones, man. When he went toss a coin to hold the ball to for the was it for the field goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like his hair is just like. Is this in slow motion? Yeah, yeah. I was like. <laughs> 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 Who is this? Our 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 punters brought to you by Herbal Essences. You know what I mean? Like Jesus. He's doing like the commercials on the sidelines. Like Troy Palomalo's getting all pissed. You know, yeah, he's we taking a shine. Jesus. Well, I feel better. The hangover's starting to lift a little bit, guys. Yeah, you know, like just like the Chiefs. You know, they did like a quiet, methodical thirty-four point performance. But we're gonna take a quick break because we need to get to the Eddie hour. I'm sure Eddie's got plenty to throw at us, sweaty Eddie. I don't know if he's sweating yet, but I'm sure we got we got another segment before we start to break a little, you know, precipitation. So we'll get to that, guys. I'm super excited to get what Eddie's got. So we'll take a quick break. We'll get back to that after this. You are listening to Kansas City Podcast Network. Talent-driven, FCC-free. Check out our show lineup, videos, events, and more over at kcpn.org. The voices of Kansas City, unfiltered. Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I am your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the KCPN studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. That's good. Mr. Yo, 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 Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> and then we have Dad on the ones and twos, as always. And again, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. First show that we've actually been able to talk Chiefs football this season. It's been lovely, needless to say. And Feels uh, good. Feels good. Uh, Gat on the break gave us some Pedialyte, so the hangover's almost officially lifted. So uh, hopefully we can get some of that recovery hydration. Maybe we can go visit the Chiefs. You I've watched it myself once. So, I, yeah. yeah. So we're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> no Kurt Cobain in here, all right? Jesus. So, Eddie, the Eddie wow. Hour begins. Let's do this, baby. Wow. What you got for me? What you got for me, all dude? All right, man. I just got a few questions for you guys. Uh, first question is, uh, so today we heard the news of da- Donwell House Jr. Uh, was being sent home from mm. the bubble. 
I want to hear your thoughts on that. And are the rocket rockets done? Because oh, of it? So you're, you're talking about you're talking about the uh, guard Daniel House Jr. from the okay the Rockets. Yeah. yeah. So th- this story started last this early this last week where an unauthorized COVID uh, testing testing technician lady yeah. was supposedly caught in his room. To me, like okay, He's tapping that, bro. I'll, I'll be honest. I'll just straight up say it. Getting I, the COVID I, cut. Look, look. I, 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 I understand <laughs> that he wants. You know, he has. A, he has a. I'm not against people meeting and hooking up and doing all that stuff, but there is. It's very cut and dry here. It's unauthorized. You have to abide by these. Why do, so think, hot, though, like, why do you think the bubble has been so effective to this point? I mean, breaking rules is what makes it That's fun. What makes I it get hot. that. But breaking rules can also lead to this thing being shut down again. Yeah, and so sure. why the bubble has been so effective is because they've been going by these guidelines so Kawhi Leonard style, where it's just methodical, robotic, cyborg style, where you're not breaking any laws or rules. You have to go by. And, and the media, they're not allowed in the same hotel room as the players. The, the the technicians clearly are not supposed to be in. They're all divided up. And so you have to keep that in play in order for this thing to work. And he put that at risk. Again, I'm not against people hooking up. Do your thing outside of this thing when it's all said and done, which segues to my point about the Rockets. They're done tomorrow. House is going home. He might as well just stay for a few more hours because the Rockets are going to be joining him in just a few minutes, in just a few hours. Because the Lakers are absolutely going to wrap this thing up. They already did. This thing is over. Uh, I, we tried talking about this. I know this time last week we watched the, the Lakers take an L to the Rockets. The Rockets look good. But as we've seen from the Lakers, they use this as a feel-out method, which is their own way. It works, and it's clearly working. It's the, the Rockets way. had no life last night. I think Harden went 2-for-11. Didn't take a shot in the fourth quarter. He's giving up, yep. which means the Rockets are giving up, which means D'Antoni's going to be gone, and the, the whole thing's going to break apart. So, yes, Daniel Haas fucked up. He's going to have to hold that L. And the Lake, the Rockets are about to take another final coffin nail, and it's going to be over, and the Lakers are going to advance to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I hope he at least got something out of it. I don't know. I don't, the whole situation's weird. <laughs> not clap, though. Not clap. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Nothing permanent, hopefully. Uh, you know, um, uh, Ho- hopefully I, curable. <laughs> ointments. There's ointments. Uh, yeah, man, I don't know. The whole situation's bizarre. It's Honestly, it shows the lack of leadership and accountability within that locker room. Um, I know he's a grown man. But, I mean, everyone, you know, you should be all – all of his teammates should be around each other. There should be a camaraderie there, um, you know, especially in this time of the, the playoffs that they're at, you know, facing you know, the best team in the West um, in the biggest series of Harden's life and, and with, you know, the coach's job on the line possibly. Um, this should mean more. This is this is the biggest moment of almost probably all those guys in that locker room's uh, NBA career lives, you know. So this is their, their moment. And you got guys doing stupid shit like that. It just shows. I mean, there's there's a lack of accountability in that locker room. If if their guys are feeling like they can get away with something like that, um, obviously this falls on his head as a grown man making his grown man choices. But at the same time, it's just unacceptable, man. You know, you're here for one thing. You're here to play basketball. This is a business trip. Do just that. Don't. I mean, you, <laughs> if you can't keep it in your pants, I don't know. I'm not gonna sit here and say he wasn't trying to hook up. But that's. Ex- I don't know what else was going on. Let's and, do the math here. Yeah, nothing. Uh, yeah. He's trying to wipe her up, bro. Yeah, he was cheating. Yeah, he was getting tested, you know, in many, many ways. Exactly. Uh, yeah. She needed samples. I don't know, man. I don't know what was happening. Um, but I'm just really glad that you guys clarified that you're not against the sex. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I'm yeah. definitely sex positive. Pro-sex. Yeah. Pro-sex. Pro-sex. Yeah. I don't know if she... By yeah. all means, do it again. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, and the point is, is that Trevor's saying it's a business trip. Treat it professionally, and you're going to be... They're going to leave you alone. I mean, what happens in business trips, man? Like... 
How many business trips you been on, Eddie? Business. Uh, business. It's a business yeah. pleasure. More pressure than business, Eddie? It you sicko. We got a sick son of a bee here, what man. It is. All right, move on. <laughs> All right, so I've been seeing this question floating around Twitter. Uh, it was trending, uh, I believe, uh, last night or two nights ago. Uh, mostly in Canada, but it was trending. Uh, the question is as follows. Cal Laurie, best Raptor ever. Mm. Yes. Absolutely yes. I'm with it. Vince Carter was the most exciting, but but Vince Carter didn't stay there long enough, in my opinion, to be that guy. And furthermore, Kyle Lowry, there is a there is a competitive nature to this guy. I mean, he's undersized. He was underestimated. Late bloomer. Late bloomer, for sure. I think it took him like five, six years to really become what he yeah. is. Yeah. But he's thir- almost 35 years old. And still, I mean, as as we're talking right now, I know that our podcasters we're and YouTubers are going to listen to this and watch this later on. But as we're talking right now, they're in the second quarter, about to finish up the second quarter, five-point game, game seven in a series they should not be in right now, the Raptors. They should not be in the series. They have they don't have the dogs to keep up with the Celtics. Somehow, someway, when OG hit that three with .5 seconds, you saw how happy Kyle Lowry was because he knew. Hey, hey, Just Fleet, give us a shot. Van Vliet said they fucked up. Yeah, give us one win. And you're going to see this team take it to the next level. They've won. They won two of the last three games. So I'm telling you, man, I, I, Kyle Lowry has all my votes. I've never been a big fan of his, but I. You, how do you how do you not appreciate a man that works this hard yeah. to to get his team and will his team that just lost a superstar player last off season to get them a practically the same place? They won more games in the regular season, or they're on pace for it at least because the the COVID the whole COVID shit shut right. it down. And they're they have an opportunity, a legitimate opportunity to get to another finals without Kawhi Leonard. How many teams lose a superstar and in the next offseason go to the have a chance at the finals? Kyle Lowry has a lot to do with that. So yes, I'm gonna say without question, he is the best raptor that has ever lived. Yeah, I mean, it's him, Chris Bosch, and Vince Carter. Those are probably the three best raptors in their history. If De- 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 DeMar DeRozan would have stuck around, obviously. Um Kawhi Leonard if he'd have stuck Kawhi around. Kawhi Leonard yeah. for sure, that's a one year thing. That kinda yeah. That was a point. That was yeah, a point. Yeah. So, but those three guys in my mind, Bosch, uh, DeRozan, and Vince Carter. Vince Carter, in my mind, was the, for the longest time just because, not even that he was exciting. He was obviously that, and the greatest dunker of all time possibly. Um, it's what Vince Carter did for that franchise. He, he's the one that put them on the map as a destination that could, you know, possibly a it was Canadian basketball. You know, no one in the U.S. was even thinking about going to Canada to play basketball. It's still not a free it's a, it's a weird, Yeah, it is a weird thing, but, I mean, the 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 the, the the evolution that sparked from Vince Carter, you know, them them landing a Chris Bosh, you know, having decent seasons, never really great, pretty mediocre for the most part in Chris Bosh's career, but Kyle Lowry, you know, becoming a true champion and making a second run here without Kawhi Leonard, you know, willing. I mean, a lot of things go into this team because they have a good roster and they're they're very well coached. But Kyle Lowry's leadership, his clutch, he's he's great in the clutch. I mean, that last game when they went to double overtime, that huge three he hit, and his, yeah, I mean, the, the way he is with his his, his teammates. You know, he's very, you know, welcoming. He's always, every time there's a big play, he's always hugging on his guys, the biggest smile on his face. Great leader. Great leader. Great player. Like I said, late bloomer, but he's one of the best point guards in this league, um, especially in the playoffs. The guy always performs really, really good in the playoffs. He's had some bad games, but he, he and usually in big games, like the one that's going on right now, this game seven, guarantee he's having a good game. This guy is always just consistent. So, yeah, in my mind, yeah, there's probably, as far as longevity goes and overall success and consistency, Kyle Lowry is the best rapper of all time for sure. Next question. Uh, so I want to hear your reaction, reactions, thoughts uh, to uh, the Jalen Ramsey extension, uh, the five-year extension, and also DeAndre Hopkins uh, making his own deal. 
with the Arizona Cardinals. I just wanted to uh, yeah, uh, to me, I think both of them were, were slam dunk, common sense moves for both franchises and players. Jalen Ramsey, to me, is is probably the best corner in the league, whereas I believe I've told you guys many times DeAndre Hopkins' nuke is the best wide receiver in the league. Um, the Rams gave up so much to get Jalen Ramsey that, I mean, they, he had all the leverage here. The, the, him and his agent could sit there and tell him, hey, look, we know what you're willing to, you know, sell off to get to get us, basically, yeah. our talents. Yeah. Show it to us now what you're willing to pay again to, you know, keep us here, or otherwise we're walking. So the, the Rams had to make this move. Uh, the Rams have been a big spenders to this point anyway over the last couple of years, so they have a reputation. So you know Jalen saw dollar signs the moment he went there mm. with endorsements and all that thing, all those as well, being a, an exuberant personality in himself. I think it was a slam dunk move. He elevates this team on the defensive side uh, with Aaron Donald uh, in the middle. Uh, I don't know how the Rams are going to do this year, but I know that they're definitely short up at the cornerback position. That's for damn sure. Mm. Uh, for Nuke in, in Arizona, what a perfect marriage for him. With Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray and him are going to have a great season together. Uh, going to be one of the best pairings in the NFL. I don't, again, I don't know how they're going to do as a team collectively, but I do know those two guys are going to connect very quick, very fast, because they're both just so sound in the way they work and they make things better for themselves and for their teammates. So, again, I, I, I can't find the negatives. I know spending money can be risky, but with those two elite superstar players in this league at, at the ages they're at, it, it, I don't see the negatives at all. So I'm, I'm all for both of them. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey is a no-brainer. Um, he deserves every bit of money he's got. In my mind, he's the best in his position. I know there's some really good uh, um, corners out there, but in my mind, he, he tops off the list. Um, just with his aggressive, his size, his speed, um, his ability. He's, he's one of those few island guys. You know, He's one of those lockdown side of the field type of corners, and it's very rare, uh, especially in today's football, um, but with the way the game is uh, driven offensively to have that kind of guy. So locking him up was a no-brainer. Having him and Aaron Donald both locked up, those two pillars of your defense, it makes total sense. You know, and they dumped, they got rid of uh, the contract of uh, uh, um, Todd Gurley, so that freed up some space. Yeah. Um, I mean, they didn't bring Jalen Ramsey over here not to extend him eventually. That was going to happen. You don't bring a guy of that magnitude over to your franchise to not be a franchise guy. So that made, I was just waiting for it to happen. I'm glad he got paid. He deserves it. Um, you know, hoping they have success over there. It's only good for the league to have a good, you know, Los Angeles franchise. They got to uh, have one, right? Yeah, I mean, the only the only point, real question mark is their biggest pillar, and that's their quarterback. And I just don't believe in them. I love their head coach, but I don't, I don't think he's the. I don't think Jared Goff's the, the future. Aaron Rodgers will be there soon enough. Don't man, worry. I hope that happens. I really, really do. Just Anyways, wait. just wait. Um, Nuke, absolutely, man. I love the Kyler Murray, and they're both so young still. Nuke's still such a young guy. He has a bright future. He's still already a Hall of Fame esque player. What, what he can do and add to his, his resume could be great. I look forward to seeing them build a, a playoff contending team eventually over the next couple of years. And I do like him opposite uh, Christian Kirk, who's the other receiver there. The number two was drafted uh, the year ago, a year ago, um, who I think is definitely a really, really good talent too. So him, those two um, offensive players, those two wide receivers over there with Kyler Murray is going to be a, a fun thing to watch in that offense for sure. So I, like, I love both signings. Uh, interesting. Do you think uh, John Hopkins will stay in Arizona and be the next Larry Fitzgerald? Oh. No one, no one's ever going to be Larry Fitzgerald yeah. in Arizona. He, the he's, consistency was his... man. He he's he's he is the Cardinals. I mean, you're talking about a legend. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is 27, going on 28. DeAndre Hopkins is better. Yeah. Oh no, I I would say better talented. Yeah. But Larry Fitzgerald is one of the three greatest wide receivers yeah. maybe of all time. He embodies the Cardinals franchise. Yeah. yeah. You. Yeah, that's a tough. Ask the man, cool like is, the cool thing come is here and be is, DeAndre. Don't come here and try to be Larry Fitz because cool you never is, though, will be. Fitz is still there. 
You know, yeah, right at thirty-seven they, years yeah, old, and, like, and I and I do think they are a darker. I know I don't have them in the playoffs, but I do think they are a dark horse team that could catch fire offensively this year and, and make a run for the playoffs. I do think they are one of those teams because they do have. I mean, they have Kenyon Drake as a running back who I like and I believe in, and um, Kyler Murray. I think can possibly can, take this next step. Can I say something real quick about Larry Fitzgerald? It. I, I love and hate his loyalty, man. <laughs> like he's he's like one of the, he's like Damian Lillard. He's yeah. like Giannis. Like I I, I hate like that th- these guys are so loyal. Like it's 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 an admirable thing. Like you want to hug him. Like man, you're such a good dude. Like yeah. if I had a daughter, you'd be the guy well, I'd want. You know, imagine but it's like, like Aaron Rodgers or something. But yeah, oh, but it's really? like but it's like yeah. Yeah, but with, with Devontae Adams. Yeah, like, I would I want these guys Bro. to like know their worth. Yeah. Like. Go out there, get you a ring, man. Like I, I know Larry Fitz went to the Super Bowl like eleven years ago, but like miracles had to take place. They had to like get Kurt Warner out of retirement, yeah. and happens to be good still, and like all these other things had to happen. Like I wanted to see Larry Fitz get like that shine in the in the playoffs, man. He hasn't had enough of it. He's like, like the it best, sucks. He's the best dude, man. Yeah, like he deserves to get like that Michael Irvin treatment because Michael Irvin is nowhere <laughs> near Larry Fitzgerald and. Michael Irvin's w- way more revered because he's, he's got the rings. Yeah, like, yeah. I would love to have seen Larry Fitz go. I wanted him to come to Kansas City last year. Yeah, I wanted too. to see that happen because yeah. I want to see him win. It just, I just wanted to throw that out there. I hate and love the loyalty that athletes like him have. Yeah. Right. His last two questions, I want to get serious with you guys. Uh, first question, you kind of touched on it uh, in your uh, opening monologue. Uh, and I don't know if you want to add to it, uh, but Trevor. Trevor can take over uh, on this one. I want to hear your thoughts on the on the booze that that were heard at Arrowhead during the Unity segment. Look, man. I mean, we've all as a nation have been drowning in this shit. You know, whether you want to or not, um, social media is flooded with it. We can't avoid it. I, I when all the stuff started going, I was I've, I've been very vocal. Me and Lance both have been very vocal. If anybody's if anybody's on our social media, you know, we're not shy about talking about it, either on the podcast or on our social media or addressing. People on their calling me people on their, on their bullshit. Um, as a Kansas City Chiefs fan, it was a little disheartening. Even if it was like Lance said, it was one person out there booing and yelling "Drew up twenty twenty. Like, why is that even a thing? Like, why? Where is that? Why does that even belong out there? I, I don't really care who you vote for. It's whatever. Like, but that has nothing to do with what was being portrayed out there and why that was being done. Right? Why we took a moment of silence because there's a real issue at hand in our country, man. And it's just this is a maturity level thing. This is just lack of lack of intelligence. Um, people just wanting to, you know, spew their opinions because they feel they need to be heard for some reason. The the athletes were doing it for what they felt was a good cause, for what affects them in their life, what they see it, it, the issues that have been surrounding not only just our country, other countries. We've seen you know the, the you know the international soccer leagues and all these other countries. You know, taking knees and so on and protesting. And it's beautiful, man. It, it, the connection between us human beings has been beautiful. We've seen some, some dark things that have happened throughout all this. But in my own backyard, you know, um, when we're supposed to be taking a moment of silence. Regardless, I don't – this is the thing. I don't know all the facts. You know, I wasn't there. I've, I've read, you know, that they were booing the, the Texans as they came out of the tunnel, which is believable. Anybody who goes to Chiefs games, no, you boo the hell out of the team that's running – the opposing team that runs out of the tunnel. Because they didn't, they didn't, they weren't out there for the national anthem. They came out after the national anthem to go do the the the, the protest with the Chiefs, you know, locking arm in the middle of the field. So I get that the boos started there, and that's where we heard the boos. Um, yeah, it, like I said, if it's just one person out there booing 
while they're putting the you know the 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 different things on the screen, the different sayings on the screen for what they're standing in, in you know in solidarity for, it 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 sucks. It's embarrassing. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much where I stand, man. I, I hope it doesn't continue. I hope people just start, you know, having some respect for what's going on, you know, in the country and why these athletes are saying and standing for what they're they're standing for. Um, but overall, we got we got to just learn to live with people that are ignorant, man. And there's, I I fully support anyone who who's has an ignorant opinion. It's their opinion. That's their right to. That's our right. You know, and I have I have my opinions. They have theirs. They should be able to vo- vocalize theirs just as much as I should mine. But booing is, is just it's an ignorant way to portray your opinion, right? You can if you want to have a conversation, that's one thing. You know, if you want to go take it to social media and talk about why you didn't like what the Chiefs did, or why you didn't like that the Texans weren't even on the field for the national anthem, that's a conversation we can have. But it's no longer a conversation if you're twelve beers deep and you're out there just booing people. It's just it's. It's like middle school stuff, man. So that's how I feel about it. I mean, it's just, I'm learning to, because a lot of times I'm impulsively just want to just go at people that, that are just that ignorant, but I'm learning to just accept the ignorance sometimes. And, and that's all it is. We just got to learn to to coexist with some of these people that just don't think without being impulsive, that, that think thoroughly through their emotions and not rationally. So just learning to live with it is my, my main thing. Just, you know, not taking it too personally, just accepting people's ignorance and just moving forward with it. That's where I'm at. Yeah, get just from the chat line. Uh, Brian was saying that they booed, then they quickly realized right. they were booing that they were the minority of it all. See, that's and why I didn't want to like, yeah, fans were trying attack to anybody the by cheering by saying Chiefs, but it mm-hmm. sounded like yeah. booing. And yeah. again, what I, what I spoke on in the in the opening is is yeah, that's on on the broadcast. Mm-hmm. It sounded like straight up booze, and that pissed me off because I'm like. It's, what we, it's so fucking backwards, yeah, yeah man. Like, yeah. no, they're not doing anything to, like to disrespect anybody. Like JJ well, Watt said, there was no flag, yeah, so you can't use that narrative. The national anthem, right? Yeah. Like it, that's that's the part that started to really upset me. And then I saw a guy that I respect vehemently in BJ Kissel talking about the same things. Yeah. I'm like, dude, this is a, this is a problem. And again, we talked about it in the beginning, but once we found out the truth of it all, once we heard an unfiltered video or saw an unfiltered video that I shared on my Facebook page, right. You saw that these Chiefs fans are like, no, we're standing, we're respecting, let's be salt, let's let's join in solidarity here. And you saw a lot. There were still boos. There were legit boos. There's guys. They were literally telling themselves out on Twitter, exposing yeah. themselves on Twitter, saying, "I was one of the guys that booed. Like this is something to be proud of." Yeah. yeah, and they were just getting destroyed on Twitter, rightfully so, in my opinion. But you saw a lot. There's only I think like sixteen thousand people in the stands. And it was a loud eruption of cheers and, and hand claps. And that, that warmed me up, man. Like, that really, yeah. that touched me. Because, like, okay, these are my people. That's what I'm proud of. I don't want to be pissed at my fellow Chiefs fans and Kansas Cityans. I want to be proud of these people, man. Well, yeah, then you got, cause you, got, you, got, you got people that can't help but speak in absolute. So when you have, when the media automatically takes that narrative and runs with it, it makes Kansas City look like shit. Because, oh, the, the Chiefs fans were booing the, the protest. Now we're going right. to be looked at as the optics big, are big big horrible. fan base. And you can't do that. But the media has no problem speaking in, in, in generalizations and absolutes. And it's irresponsible, but that's what happens. And the majority of people take the narrative headline that the media pushes out, and that's, that's, the, that's what's going to get tacked on our back. And unfortunately, that's probably what we're going to have to live with for a little while because that happened. Regardless if it was one or two people just booing, the fact is we've got to live with it and we've got to admire it. we got to not admire but acknowledge the ignorance and just move forward with it. All right. Last question, uh, talking about media. We're going to go into media. Uh, I don't know if this question might trigger Lance. I don't know. 
Get ready. You got a question. It's gonna. I'm, I'm prepared. The moment we said welcome <laughs> to the Eddie Hour. So, I don't know if you guys saw uh, S- uh, Skip and Shannon yesterday. Jesus. Uh, and undisputed. Yeah. Uh, there were some comments made by uh, Skip Bayless, and I want to hear your thoughts on those comments made by Skip Bayless towards. One of his favorite players, uh, Dak Prescott, for coming out publicly about depression. So, um, I've been watching sports shows and talk shows for 12, 13 years probably. And uh, just because I, I, I just love hearing other people's opinions, whether I agree or not, you know, I want to I want to understand what they're thinking so I can either counter it or. Uh, agree with them and and add that to my repertoire and and you know add that to what I believe you know because I'm always trying to learn stuff and there's so many talented people out there that that talk on shows or radio shows and I admire them and respect them and I I learn from them constantly Skip has never been that person Skip Bayless has never been somebody that I've respected that I've admired that I've taken things from he's always been the guy that I've swore to myself I would never become a guy that literally makes his living off of demonizing uh, iconic figures in the world of sports in order to make a living, and it's worked. That's the saddest part about it. Is it's it's worked, and that's he's a paid contrarian. He's he's in his late sixties, and he's still doing this simply because of what he's done against guys like LeBron James and you know uh, all the all the other texts. I remember one time he tried to say that Troy he tried to accuse Troy Aikman of being a homosexual just to discriminate him and, and then the homosexual community came after Skip and <laughs> Troy Aikman who works for the same company in Fox refuses to work with Skip Bayless and people have come out all throughout the years and talked about how Skip is only out for himself and I consider shit on Skip forever but the most important part in this particular question that you asked me Eddie is the fact that there is a there this all this does all that skips stupid fucking rhetoric about Dak and him coming out only further proves how far away we still are from removing the stigma of men in particular talking about their mental health especially men who play a macho sport like football a man who skip was right in one regard is a leader of men for quote unquote America's team there's still such a stigma attached. There's a fear that these men have to endure of coming out because of shit like this. Because unfortunately, people like Skip Bayless still have a platform and have people that listen to them. And then we have shows like ours coming here and talking about what Skip said because of how horrible and how irresponsible and how callous and how insensitive and how thoughtless that shit is. Dak Prescott just lost his mother a few years ago to colon cancer. Dak Prescott just lost his brother to suicide in April while enduring COVID-19 as an extrovert. This man talked about things I feel. I, I sympathize with Dak in that regard. Being around people is what we flourish off of. Yep. And he didn't get that. He hasn't had that in months. While losing two of the most important people in his life. And for somebody to come out and shit upon somebody like that who is literally going through something and then trying to categorize his depression. If you're using if you deal with clinical depression, I sympathize with you. But there is no but, man. 
People deal with mental health in their own ways, and for you to ever try to categorize it or downplay it, man, fuck you. How dare you do that to anybody? I don't give a fuck who he is or what job title he has. It doesn't matter. He's a fucking human being. And if anything, this should this should this should be a, a signification of how serious this shit is when somebody who has a great life like Dak Prescott, despite the shit he's gone through, can still feel the things we all feel as normal people. It's real, man. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I felt like Undisputed and FS1 should have, should have canned Skip Bayless for this. I'm not saying that I, I'm asking for people's jobs. That's their decision. But I felt like if that would happen, I'd have been in total support of it because of how, in, in the time that we are, we talk about the racial insensitivity of people coming out and saying stupid shit about race in this time. All the more reason to be talking about that with mental health because this is something that is actually finally at the forefront in our society. We've got to start being more acceptable to people like this. Dak Prescott should never feel like he needs to hold this shit back. He should come out and be free about this stuff. And he did. And this is the kind of shit we get, man. It's unacceptable. It's simply unacceptable. And Skip Bayless only further proves that he is a fucking coward and an asshole and an insensitive prick to people that go through shit that Skip Bayless himself, if he actually gave a fuck about anybody else, would see that the people that are around him probably go through the same things. It's despicable. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't have much, too much more to add to that. Um, there's, there's, there's a fortunate aspect of the day and age that we live in, and there's an unfortunate aspect of the day and age that we live in. The discussion on depression and anxiety and the, that whole rabbit hole and the levels to it have been more welcomed in the men community uh, in this past decade more than probably ever. Because most of the time, dudes don't ever talk about that shit. That's something that, especially pro athletes, like you, you, you alluded to, that's the, especially in NFL. Um, athletes growing up, you know, you're taught to be the, you're, that machismo that's attached to being, especially a, an NFL quarterback um, and that leadership that comes with it and who, what you're expected to be. Um, so, yeah, for, for Skip to just, you know, um, belittle the idea of what Dak is possibly going through, our minds are very vulnerable, man. Our minds can be feeble at times, no matter the, the machismo that you, 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 you hold to, uh, no matter the status that you are, um, it, it, can, it can get anybody, man. We've seen some of the biggest names. We've lost some of the biggest names in, in, in entertainment you know, that no one ever suspected was going through stuff. You know? And a lot of times they never talked about it. So the fact that he's even talking about it is important, and it should be listened to, and it should be respected, and not publicly disrespected on a major TV outlet. It's embarrassing, and, and Skip isn't an embarrassment to this industry, quite frankly. Um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a paid clown, and I think everyone at this point knows it. Um, so I, I don't even like giving him this. Our platform is not even big. I don't even like giving him this amount of time um, discussing him. But, yeah, um, like I said, it's a, it's a fortunate thing that we're able to talk about in the, in the community of men. Nowadays, it's a lot easier and more common. We've had athletes like Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan and other athletes and other sports come out and talk about, you know, the anxiety. As someone myself who's dealt with depression and anxiety my entire life, it's not a joke, man. You, you can go to some dark places, especially if you're losing numerous family members in, in, uh, you know, in a handful of years. You know, that alone can take you there, you know, and he needs all the support he can get right now. Um, so for him to publicly come out about that and, you know, in the, in the midst of these negotiations that he's dealing with, trying to make life-changing money as the 
as the quarterback of America's team, quote unquote, you know, it's a big stage. There's a lot of responsibility. So there's a lot on that guy's shoulder outside of not just his professional life, but his personal life, obviously. So it's weighing on him heavy and he needs the help. You know, he doesn't need to be publicly um, um, shit on by these, you know, these talking heads. So it's just, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. That he's even able to say that shit and get away with it. Um, so yeah, this, it's not a surprise that Skip. This is not the first rodeo for Skip Bayless on, on shit like this. He's 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 pulled some stuff before. Um, it's just sad, man. Uh, hopefully his his career isn't isn't very much lo- extended very much longer. Hopefully we get that guy out of here eventually. But yeah, I'm not surprised by it. It sucks. He he does owe Dak an apology, and the one he gave was half assed, and he needs to do a better job at actually giving a real apology. So fuck Skip Bayless. That's it for me. Great shit, man. I really appreciate it. You, I, I think you got me you know, in, in a different way, but uh, maybe, the streak continues. Yeah, there. the streak yeah. continues, man. Good questions as always, man. I appreciate your your Again, this is why we have two and a half hour, three, three hour shows. <laughs> Eddie always knows how to get us on tangents, man. You get us Twidwell boys in the tangents, man. I'm telling you, it's an all-nighter. But we're going to take a quick break because now it is time for your tangents. It's time for you guys to give us what you wanted to get on this platform. What do you guys have for us this week? What questions, what topics, what debates, what discussions, all of it. We'll get back to that as we open up the mailbag after this. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. The mail time. I can't believe I get to sing this song. It is time for the Monday Mailbag. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, in the Spoken Podcast in the KCPN Studios. My guy, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? Our guy, Eddie, had a flea. Uh, as you guys know, Ed, we have lives, believe it or not. We don't just stay in here, like, encapsulated in the studio until the next show. We actually have lives outside of this. And Eddie uh, is actually going to school right now, so he has himself a nice little quiz uh, that his uh, lovely professor decided to pop on him last minute. So he's going to go ahead and duck out. But we, you know what? This is the beautiful thing, man, is we have... The greatest support system here imaginable. A Gat is the best, and she is not only running the ones and twos, DJ Gat, as I like to call her. She's actually going to be here to chime in on the Monday mailbag. Gat, how are we doing tonight? Good. I actually am encapsulated in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I said us. Like, I you're always here. I'm like, speak for yourself, sir. But at one point, there was a Twidwell in my house at any given point. So I, mean, I, like, I didn't know where you guys were coming from, but I was like... This is true. I do miss those days. There's just a lot of like different like cool pockets of this house, you know, there, in the studio area. You know, Steve's like, just randomly... Who knows where he is. Legend Steve, yeah, man. Put some spec on it. the name. <laughs> So uh, how's the Monday Mailbag uh, shaping up this week? Great. I feel like I need to start with a yo, 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 but that's also mm. Eddie appropriation, so I can't do that. <laughs> Eddie appropriation. Nice, um, nice, nice, nice. Mailman Eddie. Uh, <laughs> we got to start with Donnie Couch. I mean, like, who else are we going to start with? Uh, hey, guys. I hope you had a great Labor Day weekend and a great start to the NFL season. I want to ask you guys, why do Lakers fans hate Rondo when he plays great defense in the playoffs and has great plus minus on the court? I'll just start. He's a little bitch sometimes. Oh, oh, okay. Well, that's a start. That's a hot start. That's ran right out of the gate. I like it. Uh, hmm. I will speak just just from my perspective. I don't want to speak for anybody else's. Rondo has not been a good basketball player for the last couple of years. Now he's definitely turned it on in the bubble. Uh, he's looked incredible because he's such a cerebral talent. Like there's, I've heard, I heard a story. I think it was actually Nick Wright that talked about it. Um, mm. Rondo is such a like a brain brainiac. That he'll go to movies at the theater, and if he sees plot holes, he'll literally leave the movie. 
Like he he won't even like stay to the end to see how it like plays out. He it, it annoys him so badly. Him. Yeah. So he's like he's this guy, and, and I I've always appreciated his IQ for the game. So that's why I kind of just put up with him and like okay he'll he'll contribute some way somehow. But he's actually been playing some pretty damn good basketball of late. He's really turned the tide, and he's played like he did back with the Bulls a few years ago. Uh, he's hitting knockdown threes when he needs to. He's been facilitating. His defense has been unbelievable. You know what? I, I don't want to speak for anybody else. All I'm going to say is that he's really turned my opinion around because I had no faith. You asked Trevor. I've told him, like, I don't want him on the court. I just want him as an extended coach on the sidelines. Mm. No, I want him on the court. He has absolutely helped the Lakers get to the, the place that they're at right now. Well, the question is, why why are Laker fans hating on Rondo? Well, I mean, I'll just quite frankly tell you, he's a he was a lifelong Celtic for the most of his career, and he was beating the Lakers. That's fair. Right? So, And he was a shit talker for most of his career. He's a very... I, Honestly, I've always had a, I've always loved Rondo's game. I, I love his 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 IQ for the game is incredible. Um, he's a savant. He's he loves the game. He's very uh, grounded. He's a grounded player. He sticks to his role. He knows what his game is. Um, so I think far, as far if I'm putting my mind in the Lakers fan uh, mind, because um, they're a very proud bunch of fans, uh, irrationally sometimes they they help they like to hold grudges. So the history of Rondo beating the Lakers uh, while being a Celtic. Um, it's probably, you know, a deep-rooted hatred there. Similar to LeBron joining the Lakers, it was a very, it still is, um, a, a topsy-turvy. That's going to be the most interesting one, yes. is when the Lakers win the title <laughs> and all these LeBron haters that have dedicated LeBron their lives. LeBron and Rondo are on the Lakers. Oh, it's, oh, I, yeah, oh. The, the irony is so oh. beautiful. I love it. But, yeah, so it's similar like to LeBron. LeBron's on another level with the Lakers shit, which is so weird because there was never a rivalry between LeBron and Kobe or the Lakers the same ever. Conference. So strange. I mean, LeBron was always the better player. Anyways, um, yeah, so the Lakers' hatred there is is strange. But Lance, you can ask Lance. I've always been on Team Rondo. I've wanted Rondo to get more minutes in this Lakers team. I've, I, I've been pushing for him to get more minutes, and I feel validated in that because he's been balling out of control. And his chemistry with LeBron and AD, specifically AD because they played uh, uh, in New Orleans together, that chemistry is there. I love what he's been doing on the floor. He's been hitting threes, and they've been looking confident, which is dangerous. If, LeBron, if Rondo's out there hitting threes and, and facilitating the way he does and getting a triple-double, I mean – if he's getting a, a you know a 10-10-10 game, that's all you need from Rondo. So I love that his defensive um, intensity on the perimeter has been huge for them um, since they haven't had Avery Bradley. He's filled in that role very, very nicely and maybe possibly better than Avery Bradley has on both sides of the floor. He's been playing great. Um, so, yeah, I, I love the idea. I love what Rondo's been doing, and I don't understand the, the hatred from Laker fans. It's a little strange, but I dig it. Take uh, your dubs. So we had a last-minute addition real quick. Um, Stephen York wanted to know about the Braves game that went twenty nine to nine, uh, and is steroids like are we officially back on them? Is this what is happening? <laughs> yeah, actually, yes. So. I, I will say this: yes, steroids do exist, but not in the human body anymore. It's in the baseball. They have there was some horrible ass excuse or uh, um, reasoning from Rob Manfred. I'm sure that shocks anybody. Uh, Rob Manfred said it's they have the, the pill. And the baseball is creating contact to be at an all-time high. Or, but he's basically he's trying to justify them juicing the baseball. And it's because they knew that the MLB was struggling with ratings and getting new fans. The casual fans weren't coming to the ballparks you know, pre-COVID. Um, you just had your loyal ones. And, and, and you can't survive off that. You have to get casual fans to show up and to tune into your games. And we all know baseball is a regional sport, so they had to basically find something and obviously steroids in humans is something that's super frowned upon from the purists and you don't want to lose your purists so of course 
they're in this dilemma, and so they created a, a. And that's why, if you look, watch Sports Center, it's always the, well, look at the trajectory of the ball, look at the exit velocity. Like they're trying to scientific the baseball, and it's just it's not working. But it 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 does it does uh, create highlights, if you will. So yes, in a sense, steroids do exist. And to that game, I found it funny, real quick, because I didn't hear a lot of purists talking about the Braves running that score up. <laughs> You know, I guess if it ain't Tatis Jr., you know, it doesn't really matter. I guess if, if you run the bases like you've done it before, it ain't a problem. But if, you know, you watch your home run, then you're a piece of shit. You know, that, that, I guess that's the difference. But, yeah, you know, scoring almost as much points as the Chiefs did against the Texans, you know, we'll overlook that. But, you know, just don't flip your bat. <laughs> There's unwritten rules. Again. Unwritten rules. Yeah, forgot it. Yeah. Don't look too confident now. Cool. Yeah, we got no. the FBI knocking on the door right now because I, I talked about the purists. The purists of baseball are going to eventually go away because the game needs some kind of juice. Bart Scott, can't wait. Yeah, some kind of figuratively speaking juice and and literally speaking juice. Um, I, if they're juicing the baseballs and they make and that makes the game more entertaining and it makes the scores higher um, and creates more statistically pleasing games. Then I'm all for it. Baseball needs something. If we got to turn into basketball type of deal, where you, you can like flash people to distract them or do whatever you got to do. Steve Perry, or like I said, like last time talking about you know bringing in hockey style fights to baseball, you know, let them bout it out. Whatever. I mean, baseball needs something a kick in the ass to help the ratings and just the game in general um, because it's it's trending downward as a sport. Um, I still love the game. I, it's, there's nothing like going to a baseball game. Um, but as far as running up the score, it's it's fun seeing scores like that sometimes. I mean, you'd, you'd wish it'd be a little more closer than an absolute blowout. But, you know, if you're having two baseball teams going into the teens scores-wise, that's a blast to watch. Who doesn't want to watch numerous home runs from teams going at it? So And, and the bat's a problem because there was bad pitching that got him there. It wasn't yeah, like anything right. exciting. And, and to have that bad of pitching, is that even fun to watch? After right. A while? Oh God, no. Like, yeah, blowouts suck. But oh, I mean, could, it, could you yeah. imagine being the team that your team's <laughs> pitching that bad? And oh like, Jesus! Well, what do you even do with the bullpen? You're just like, fuck it, we're out. Oh, like, we I'm tried. Just, I'm just saying, from a rating That's standpoint, like a dream. from a rating standpoint, baseball needs something. If it's more home runs, that's going to get you better ratings. So be it. I mean, make the game, you know, give it something extra because it just it needs help. But yeah, that's, that's an outrageous score for sure. Uh, so Donnie Couch has moved away from hypotheticals and been some. These are some really good questions. I'm just saying the last time we did Monday Mailbag, it was interesting with all the hypotheticals. This one is really great because I like thinking about these things. What was a worse trade? The Patriots giving up a second round pick for Wash Muhammad Sanu or rookie Brett Beach trading up for Breland Speaks? Oof. Okay, um, I'm going to have to go with Brett Veach trading up to, for Breland Speaks only because of the fact that the Patriots are a team that have so many picks. So them losing a second rounder essentially for Muhammad Sanu who did nothing for them, although it's a horrible trade, it is. There, there's no way of going around that. Yeah. Um, the Chiefs needed that pick to land. Like It would have been a lot better for the Chiefs in 2018 in particular if Breland Speaks would have panned out, especially when you trade up for him. You're giving up other picks to get that pick in particular. Um, and if you if you trade up for a bust, that usually is going to take the cake, especially in, a, in an early round like the second round, especially when it's your first pick as a general manager for a franchise who has high expectations and a lot of pressure riding on him. Uh, yeah, I, I think that without question takes the cake, but that is a really good question. Yeah, no, I, I echo your sentiments for sure. Uh, Breland speaks for sure to, to move up to get a guy that rarely even saw the field, sat around, gained weight, lost weight, maybe had potential to get back out there and look good, and then he's gone. It's like it, it was just a we just it's like the pick never existed. So yeah, I mean, at least at least Muhammad Sanu was gonna, was a, a, taking a gamble on a guy that can go out there and help your offense that was Proven in, that was in dire yeah. need. 
You know, we were in dire need for a Breland Speaks. Yeah. The Patriots were in dire need for a receiver, and they needed it. And Mohamed Sanu was performing with Atlanta before he went over there. And I yeah. still think he's a decent player. He just didn't work in that system over yeah. there in New England. So it was, worth, it was worth the gamble. Breland Speaks was not worth the gamble. And I'm just, telling y'all. Yeah, you don't move up for that Mohamed, guy. Mohamed Sanu saw our podcast when we did our prediction show. Like, <laughs> you know what? Get me out of New yeah, England. Yeah, I can't believe it. I'm, 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 I'm surprised they cut so. him. It was strange, but... Yeah, he. I remember watching him on uh, Hard Knocks when he was mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. I'm like, damn, has it really been that long? Uh, one of my yeah. just interjection questions here: What was it like watching Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, and just thinking of the city of Chicago crying the entire night, realizing <laughs> that they made the wrong decision again? Hey, look, I have friends in Chicago. And I feel so, I mean, we talk about it a lot. I try not to bring it up. When they bring it up, though, I never hesitate to talk <laughs> about it. Um, it. It's bad. And here's the worst part. It's not even, now I feel like we should move on from the whole Mahomes, Watson, Trubisky conversation. Now the Bears are self-inflicting even further because what they did is, think about this. They passed up on Jameis Winston and Cam Newton for a million dollars to go and sign 32-year-old Nick Foles to $21 million guaranteed and then not even start him mm. to start your season. Like, it's bad enough to pass up on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and then go and take Mitchell Trubisky. It's bad. It's even worse than you go and pay another quarterback 20 million to back him up. It makes no sense. And let's be honest here, of the three quarterbacks, Nick is the least talented. So you could have given Jameis an opportunity to reinvigorate his career yeah, at 26 most, years old. Yeah, he's the most proven, though. Or Cam Newton, if he's healthy. Yeah. No, Cam Newton's the more proven, in my opinion, as an individual. Nick, Nick Foles is the most successful. Cam yeah. Newton is by far the best quarterback of the three. He's proven to And get if done. Cam's healthy, the Bears are a better team without within Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. And you're $20 million lighter in the pocket. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> um, it's just, like I said, it's the time that I'm living in right now. I've just entered my 30s. This is the prime time of my life, and it's a prime time to be a Chiefs fan. I just feel so honored and blessed to be able to be here in this Hallelujah. moment. Did we just be get blessed. Be, we got a yeah. blessed. Hashtag blessed. Yes. Yeah, it's just man. Too blessed. It's true bliss, man, to be a Chiefs fan. What's right up, son? I'm glad my, I'm able to experience it with my kids. My daughter's a diehard Chiefs fan, so it's just fun to be able to see the tears of our enemies. His more and, handsome brother. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> I tried. Yeah. But yeah, it's. I, yeah, I echo your sentence for sure. That's, I love it. Yeah. So, I mean, just looking at the difference between where we're at in the season, starting off 1-0, and you go to these topics with head coaches getting fired and moving. If a head coach gets fired mid-season, this is from Donnie, such as Bill O'Brien or Adam Gase, could you see BNME taking a job from Houston or the Jets? I've been what have I been saying all along? I, I really, and I'm not just saying this because I believe BNME deserves a job. I'm saying this because I know BNME's going to get a job this offseason. The NFL cannot continue to ignore such a great OC like Eric Bieniemy. The Jets are going to fire Adam Gase. Mark this down. I've said this on like eight different shows. Adam Gase is getting canned, man. He's. I mean, our guy, Mr. Yo-Yo himself, has the Jets going 0-16. Ain't no way a coach survives that. I don't think I have him at 4-12. Yeah. I don't think he survives that either because that'll be year three, and they've been sucking ass the entire time he's been their head coach because yeah, yeah. Adam Gase sucks as a head coach. Eric Bieniemy is taking the Jets' job. Mark that down. I don't think Bill. I'm going to say I'm going to take Ron Hughley. He knows it better than we do, guys. He's down in Houston. He knows the he knows the pulse and the vibe of that team. He's saying that Bill O'Brien's not going to get fired. So I'm going to go ahead and say Bill O'Brien survives at least another year. They like him down there for whatever reason. They extended him. 
yes, Eric Bieniemy is going to get a job. It's going to be in New York. He's going to take over Sam Darnold, and then the Jets are going to finally be a respectable franchise again. Yeah, I don't care where it is. I just want to see Bieniemy as a head coach. The guy more than deserves it. He's got the resume. He's got the vouchers. He's got the the, the backing of one of the greatest coaches of all time. You know, he's a champ. There's just one problem, supposedly. Yeah, yeah. Why Doug Peterson got a job, Eric, Matt Nagy got a job so quickly. But uh, the visors. Yeah, oh, that's visors. what it is. Yeah, yeah. Eric Bambi, can you start wearing visors? You'll yeah. get a job, man. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I don't care where it is. I just want him to get his shot. I fully believe in him. No matter where he goes, I think he'll succeed. The Jets would be ideal for him because I think there is promise there. You have a possible franchise quarterback, and you have some decent weapons. you got a Le'Veon Bell, uh, who's a true weapon. Uh, if you utilize him correctly... Yeah, I, I just want to see him get a, a head coaching job, no matter where it is. Honestly, so yeah. Bill O'Brien seems to be a pretty good dude. I just, I, I want to have sure. faith in him and everything. Um, He's just a trash coach. Yeah. Well, because he even said last night that they were having issues. This is another question from uh, Donnie Couch that uh, the Texans had a really bad time trying to block Frank Clark, and they could see an All Pro season coming from Frank oh, Clark. Yeah. He looked so fast. What yeah. was that? Like? The he Texans. Was... That's what I was, I was. I was trying to paint that picture in the second segment when we recapped the game. Um, the Texans did upgrade dramatically on the offensive line. I'm thinking, man, we're gonna have the Chiefs are gonna have a tough time getting Deshaun. That was a concern of mine. No, Frank and Chris Set were just shredding that offensive line. I think it's because, simply put, I don't want to oversimplify things. Frank's healthy. Yep. The, for yeah. seven, six, been yeah, for six weeks yeah, of last gonna... season, he was having nerve pain, constantly yeah. shooting down his arm. Every time he touched stuff, like it was like hitting a hot stove. Like that poor guy. And I was criticizing Frank. the shit out of him last season, especially against the Texans when Deshaun ran over his ass to win the game. All the way through the Super Bowl, he was doing. Frank's with healthy, man. Frank's. Yeah. I think it's simply put, not to not to shit on the Texans' offensive line. I don't want to take anything away from Laramie Tunsil and those guys. The Chiefs' front seven is just nasty, and they're healthy, and Spags has got them going, man. That's just simply poor. One thing I will say about that, though, is that we, we were getting gashed up the middle. Uh, but I think once we get Mike Pinnell back, that's a key guy to, to block him. Yeah, absolutely. To, to stuff in the middle there. So we were getting gashed a little bit by David Johnson, who I don't think we should have been getting gashed by. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I seeing Tano out there running around looking good, um, I'm, I'm, I'm confident in this group for sure, and that's why I have us as a top-eight defense. I dig it. Uh, this is another one from Donnie. Which new Chiefs player would you or where were you most impressed with in Week One matchup? His choice would have to be Assimile or Samile or Assimile. Assimile, because um, he made Brett Beach look like a fucking genius today. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, he is uh, a fucking genius. As, as a free agent acquisition, I couldn't agree more. As as an as a, uh, a drafted player, as much as I want to go with Clyde because he had an historic performance, I think we all kind of like anticipate he was going to play well. My boy, Lord, Lord Jarius Sneed, baby. I'm going to give him my pick on this one just because yeah. of the fact he played like a veteran and the Chiefs – like, if, if Clyde wouldn't have had a great game, the Chiefs still win. But let's say let's say Lord Jarius didn't play good. Deshaun Watson probably gets himself another 100 yards and probably another touchdown makes that game even more interesting. I, th- I still think the Chiefs win, but it would have been more of a nail-biter. But Lord Jarius did his thing. I'm going to give him my vote. Yeah, outside of quarterback, there might not be a tougher position to play in the NFL than cornerback. You know, defending this offensive, yeah, you're driven, on an island. This offensive-driven league with all the speedsters that are on that offense, wide receiver-wise, that 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 team is built on speed now. Um, so, and they were purposely attacking Snead to try to make him look bad, and he wasn't allowing it. So, kudos to him. Kudos to Spags for having him ready, having his young mind ready, and out there in a big open, you know, home opening game to start this year off. Um, a guy that wasn't a part of the consistency last year that was a Super Bowl team, and to still perform and be ready. Um, his first game, yeah, Snead gets the, gets the game ball from me for sure. Um, Clyde, 
I would give it to Clyde, but we've seen. I mean, this this system is just built to to produce running back and the uh, numbers. So Clyde, being the talent that we he is, we all I think we all kind of expected a big breakout game from Clyde, and that's exactly what we got. We weren't expecting Snead to play like that and to start his first game off of his career with a with a interception. Regardless of how he got it, regardless if it was punted to him, still got it. Still was in the right spot to make the play, and damn near took it to the house. So kudos to the kid. We're having a quick uh, break in the comments, I guess, to talk about how everyone's team Gat now. So I feel like they're just team whoever's on the Monday Mail. <laughs> so no, I'm not going to take it hard. But there's validity to that. We, I've had, I've told you this. I've had people, real life people, text and tell me in person, like when Gat's on the show, you guys are a better show. So trust me when I, I say to tell when, them, no, we get to plug true. in that that's mic over here. No, no, behind the She's scenes, like God, don't fucking say that. Like I don't want to, you know, get she an ego us here. Between takes, it's <laughs> uh, no, no, we no. Trust me, we we definitely like it when you're on the show. There's no question about it. I think I just just say goofy stuff and just get you guys like triggered. Absolutely, uh, Brian actually tried to get us all triggered, and he was saying this question is for Eddie and Eddie only. Thanks, guys. What are your thoughts on LeBron James and his fanboys? So Johnny gets in there and says, "Bro, stop it." <laughs> Brian's like, my best question yet, Triggered Lance will show his face yet again. Donnie's like, I just don't want to take up the half the fucking podcast. Yeah. And I'll add only for Please Eddie don't. at the end just to make sure. And then, of course, they have to talk about the 40-yard dash. But before well, let, we get to the 40-yard dash. How about, we add, how about we add Eddie on that and he can answer it through the comments? Because yeah, Eddie obviously had to j- jump Eddie's off. Eddie's, like, very short uh, to the point. <laughs> yeah, that way yeah. they can talk and we can no. decide who's more wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. While the Lakers continue to rack up playoff wins. Absolutely. So we got a new proposal because Brian obviously knows the 40-yard dash probably is going to happen in the winter. I'm it's just, not the right conditions. I've been waiting. I've been waiting. Maybe you guys can train in the wintertime. And then Let's do like a montage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We can, I'm like we can eating speak, a Five Guys burger while I'm running. You. I'm like on the treadmill with a Five Guys triple. So now we got this new one called the Butt Kicker Challenge. Three kicks from 15, 20, and 25 yards. I'm going to kick Eddie's ass again. And and, and here's the funny thing. Eddie's the soccer player, so he should be the one that actually should beat my ass. But I know I'm going to beat his Anything physical, I'm going to beat Eddie's ass. If you want to say, like, hey, Lance, do you have a college degree? Eddie could, like, you know, throw his up in a couple years. I don't have that. So Eddie's got me beat on the educational side of things. But outside of that, I got my dude. Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo is going to go down, down, down. You guys can't tear an ACL over this. Like, you just, you, this is not worth it, okay? You notice we're, like not, you notice you. we're not including me in this, right? Yeah. Shut your mouth. So, for a good reason. We need an ambulance. We need an ambulance on site, maybe a cop, <laughs> and then we need a hydration, recovery hydration. If we get those three there, I feel like we're going to have a very efficient event. What do you guys think? Should we do it? Entertaining, to say the shirts least. Shirts or skins? We're going we're gonna to stream it no matter what. Oh, hell it's yeah. Absolutely we're happening. like tops or bottoms, baby. <laughs> oh, my God. Here we go. Eddie is definitely tops. <laughs> anyway. You guys are beautiful. Yeah. Uh, with, with the way CEH and the O-line looked, do you think Coach Reed puts in more play-action passes to free up our receivers? I would love that. I, I think that because there there is a I – know, I know it's the same play, essentially, with the RPOs and the play-action – I think they're going to be implementing more RPOs because that's the style of offense they like to implement with Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't like to have him under center as much, and that's where most of the play action is going to occur when you step back and act like you're going to hand it off on the on the back, uh, on the eye formations. I don't see that. I think it's going to be more RPO-friendly style plays because the, Ch- the Chiefs love implementing those jet sweeps too with McCole Hardman and Tyreek. Uh, so to, yes and no, it's just going to be a, a different translation of what a play action is. I just I think it's going to be more RPO friendly, shotgun style offense, offensive plays. And yes, it's going to be absolutely deadly because what are defenses going to do? Yeah. That's the thing we got to think. It's like 
you, are you going to stack the box to try to clamp down on, on Clyde? Okay, do that, and Patrick's going to beat you up top. Okay, you spread the defense out and you know, play more nickel-style, cover-two-style off defenses. Okay, Clyde's going to eat you up for eight yards a clip. Up the middle or a bounce what do you outside. Do? You know, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. we saw this already. This, this was already... We saw this already with, with, with how it was when we had Kareem Hunt, you know, in his, his breakout year and the following year after that. When he was on his game, our offense was unstoppable. unstoppable. Even with Alex Smith. 37 points a game. Even with Alex Smith, our offense was tops in the league, one of the top offenses in the league. And now you got Patrick Mahomes doing RPOs with this kid. Like I say, it's, it's not, I'm not just trying to be cliche. Good luck to everyone. It's, this is going to get ugly. And this is just the beginning because the kid, we didn't even involve him in the passing game yet, so. Good luck. No, I agree. And uh, Donnie's final question was, should the NFL be terrified of how easy the Chiefs made it look beating the Texans even when Mahomes didn't really have that incredible... Exactly. Uh, like, just, yeah. Trevor, and Eddie, Trevor and Eddie gave Patrick Mahomes like a B. Yeah. And he had 120 quarterback rating because, with three because touchdowns. Because he, did, he didn't need an A. He didn't That's what yeah. I'm saying, man. And then uh, let, let's talk about something real quick. That pass to Travis Kelsey in the touchdown when Travis yes. cut, cut down the middle... Like he's he's dart. triple covered. It was a dart. Not even looking, not even cut yet. Hasn't even made his cut, and Patrick's so already throwing the ball. It. It's so nonchalant about it, too. Just, it's unreal. Traffic, man. Right. Yeah. So yes, the NFL should be pissing down their leg right now. This is this is something we've never seen before. We've talked about this and talked about this, and they just added a top five running back to this offense. Like you're literally adding Maurice Jones Drew to this offense. Like imagine prime Maurice Jones Drew and adding him to this. That's bro, what Clyde bro, Edwards Hilaire is. Four different guys. He's a three name guy. Four different guys scored for the Chiefs. That's four. Wild. Game and, one. And a mediocre Game one. Four di- it's hard enough for some teams to get four different guys to catch a ball. Right. Right? We got we got four guys scoring touchdowns. Performance that, wise, that's gonna be <laughs> that's gonna be one of the Chiefs' like sixth best yeah. off, like offensive performances of the season. When the season ends and they're you know winning another Super Bowl, we're gonna look back and say that week one game was cool. It was is it it all right. Like yeah. and they scored thirty four points. That's what I'm talking about, man. Like yes, so yes to answer the question in like fifteen different ways. Five different guys should have scored because Demarcus Robinson should have had two Jesus. touchdowns. Jesus, so. I dig that. It's uh, insane. Wrapping up a little bit of the Chiefs, uh, after the Chiefs' first game is from Billy Hodge, at their Chiefs' first game of the year, what worries do you have or improvements would you like to see? Oh, I, I mean, the, the, the run stopping is – I mean, David Johnson hasn't been good in four years, and that first those first couple drives, he was, it was we were like paper mache out there. It was horrible. Uh, the, the defense looked un, uh, uninspired outside of Tyron Matthew. I don't think that guy can, can be uninspired. I think it's impossible. <laughs> Uh, but outside of him, I mean, they were pretty much, they were pretty uh, lackadaisical. They looked like they were just kind of expecting the Texans to roll over, and obviously the Texans didn't. Um, so that the run defense has got to improve, definitely got to improve. And uh, as much as I love Lord Jarius, we got to hope that Charvarius Ward can rest up and 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 uh, wrap up that hand. They they did say rap sheet. Uh, Ian Rapport was saying on Twitter today that it's not out of the realm of possibility that he will start in week two against the Chargers. It's a slight fracture. It's not like a major yeah, break. Yeah, they'll club it up. They'll basically wrap his hand up to where it's like an extended his fist, legs basically. Work. His legs still work. So I am concerned about that because Bashad Breeland will be out for an additional three weeks. Yeah. So the corners are without question. And Juan Thornhill. Hopefully he Trevor did say that you know he he was a step a little slow this week. Hopefully mm-hmm. he will progress because the Chiefs are going to need Juan Thornhill to play Absolutely. well. Yeah, and then I'll throw in Colin Sanders Colin Saunders, Colin Sanders. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Okafor as well. as well. He dislocated elbow, so I'm expecting him to be gone for at least a few weeks. That's not something you just bounce back from. Dis- especially that position, your joints are pretty valuable there. Yeah, pretty um, so I, I really want to see what that kid can become. 
Uh, I think he's a versatile player, uh, has a lot of energy, so I, we need those guys out there. So missing him is going to suck because we also don't have Mike, Mike Pinnell out there. So, yeah, us getting gashed by David Johnson was not a pretty sight to see. Our, our linebacker core was lacking athleticisms, which is why we needed Gay out there. I really wanted to see that kid, you know, um, break out in his first game, but they didn't. for some reason the coaching staff didn't have him out there. I trust their judgment for whatever reason. It is. I don't think it's a talent issue. I just think it's a, a, a lack of um, the playbook knowledge so far, I think that's probably what it is. Um, they didn't want him out there risking, you know, blowing a play and, you know, possibly giving them a, 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 a couple of big plays to take the lead or whatever. I don't know what the issue is, but I can't wait to see his athleticism alone because Ben Neiman just wasn't cutting it. Um, yeah, and Hitchens just is not cutting it either. Our linebacker core definitely needs some help. Um, so outside of that, I was happy with everything else as far as, you know, dealing with the injuries early in the game and then Sneed showing, you know, promise as a rookie in his first game that's you can't help but not be inspired by this defense what it's going to do especially our defensive front we look absolutely deadly so the linebacker core was the only dark spot for me for, for sure. sure yeah especially going into i mean it's san diego like that's our next game los yeah. angeles yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry whatever yeah. <laughs> it's los still angeles. san diego to me yeah. too so it's san diego chargers and i'll never <laughs> put any sort of respect on them until they like yeah, we grow got, up to a real family we'll have our hands full austin eckler is a hell of a back though so yeah. we got we got definitely make sure taylor's your quarterback the main <laughs> the main question uh especially since tyreek and mccall were a little bit muted at the beginning do you really see the chargers you know i think what Brian was asking basically is they played a bunch of cover two to take away Tyreek in the deep ball. Are the Chargers going to try to implement that same style and try to hold them back? Do you think they're going to try to reserve their guys to keep up with Tyreek and McColl? Like, how do you think they're going to approach this? Um, I, I actually, the Chargers are infamous for shutting down Travis Kelsey, or at least trying to shut okay. Travis Kelsey down. So I expect <laughs> I expect them to, to totally engage their focus on Travis first because they know that that's the go-to guy for Patrick. No Derwin James, though. No Derwin James, I get that. But it, Anthony Lynn... For some reason, he knows how to do it. He knows how to play. He, he makes of all the teams the Chiefs have faced, the yeah. team that have given them the most trouble, Patrick Mahomes in particular, is the Chargers with Derwin James, without Derwin James. They play a style of defense that other teams try to replicate, and they just can't seem to do it for some reason. Anthony Lynn knows. How, I think that's honestly why Anthony Lynn still has a job as a head coach, is because of how well their defenses play against Patrick Mahomes' offense. So. I do believe, obviously, their intentions are going to be to slow down Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I think if they're going to pick their poison, I think they're going to try to keep down uh, Travis Kelsey. Because I think if they're going to get McCole Hardman to beat them, like let's say McCole Hardman goes off for like five receptions for a 90 yards and a touchdown, they'll live with that. Yeah. They'll res- it's like letting Russell Westbrook shoot a three. Like You're going to live with that. So, yes, the horses are going to be shut Tyreek Hill down, shut tra- Travis Kelsey down. I don't think they're going to be able to do both. I think they're going to focus on Kelsey and let... The other horses do their job, so that's what I think their focus will be. Yeah, on. they do. They do have a track record of, of keeping Kelsey capped um, in most of the matchups against the Chargers. So I wouldn't be surprised if that is the case. If his numbers aren't as good as they were this past game, um, but I do think this is the game where uh, Clyde breaks out in the passing game. I think the screen game is going to come into effect because this is a very good defensive front that uh, the Chargers have with Melvin Ingram and, and Joey Bosa, two absolute dogs in the edges there. So I think we're going to have to get the ball out a lot quicker than we had to against this last matchup. I know there's J.J. Watt there, but he's not the same guy as far as getting off the edge quick enough. These are two absolute monsters coming off the edge here. Um, so you got to respect that. I think Clyde's going to eat in the, in the screen game, uh, and I think that's going to be the end of it there. I think, yeah, Trav could have a low, a low productive game, you know, a few catches maybe, but they've been pretty good about keeping him out of the end zone. But like I said, man, with this offense, like you said, pick your poison. That's all you can do. It, it, you know, if you want to cap and you know, keep the plays from going over the top, 
try that, but then Kelsey's going to kill you, and then we're going to kill you in the screen game. I, th- I do think we're going to have some um, some play action and some uh, um, some option, some play, some pass run option here plays here. So I think the screen game for Ceh here is going to blow the gates wide open and it gets charges. I don't think they stand much of a chance. I dig it. So the last question we had was kind of something that we already covered last week with who do you think is winning each division of each conference as a preseason prediction? So. Steven, we already did that last week, so check it out because it's a really intense segment that you guys went through everything and every situation possible. So that is the Monday mailbag, though. Good stuff, guys. Thank you, Gat, seriously, for doing that. You guys always bring it, man. These la- this last like month and a half, two months have been inc- nothing short of incredible. So yeah. uh, thank you guys each and every week. On Mondays, what we like to do is we post that. We give you guys the opportunity, the platform, to basically take over the show for an entire segment. Um, and we love doing this. We love to continue to do that. So hit us up on Facebook. Join our group. And submit your question, your topic, whatever you're, you're steaming on in the world of sports, whatever got you triggered. Maybe it'll get me triggered too. It doesn't seem to be that difficult to make that happen. So yeah. we have one more order of business. Guys, what's that called again? Hold this L. It is time to hold this L. Every single week, what we do is we like to give out some friendly or not so friendly L's in the world of sports. No matter if it's friendly or not, whoever's getting that L is definitely deserving of it. We're going to start with our lady, Miss Ones and Twos, DJ Gat, the Wizard of Oz around these parts, as I like to call it, the one that is encapsulated in our studio every <laughs> single day of her life. Never leaves, never has a day off, just like Bill Belichick liked to say. Absolutely. Gat, who is holding the L this week? You know, I just, this is a. Today, waking up being a Chiefs fan was awesome for so many reasons and weird for a lot of others. And uh, I think we can all agree here in Kansas City that there's one guy that we just don't really give a shit if he ever shows up to another Chiefs game hmm. uh, ever again. And no, it's could not. That be? Like, uh, it's not. It's not somebody that um, you would think would be plastered all over people's TVs, uh, but <laughs> unfortunately, he is, anyways. Uh, but but today, X Factor, not Dante Hall. But this uh, like methy version of X Factor uh, tweeted out, my streak of 329 games at Arrowhead will come to an end. X Factor, third person, won't go back until full capacity happens. I'm there to watch football, not having social issues force feed by, uh, can't even read it, by yeah. hashtag NFL, hashtag Chiefs Kingdom, hashtag KC Chiefs, hashtag Chiefs, hashtag KC, Hashtag Kansas City Chiefs and hashtag Kansas City. But the biggest sell from that entire tweet that he he tweeted it from an Android. Mm. Like, I, I don't, like, the entire thing was an L in general, but, like, this that <laughs> final Android touch. I was like, are you okay? <laughs> um, but the comments are what was the solid gold part of that entire thing. Because X Factor, we don't really care if you come back to Arrowhead. Um, he was there last night. I don't know how he did that. Uh, it just seems like he's just pushing it too much with the super fan thing. He's creepy. There's things that are wrong with him. And I could go on for hours, but instead I'm just going to ask him to go ahead and uh, hold, hold this L. L. That's, that's, that's appropriate. Yeah, that's, that's a whole Definitely segment itself. Um, him and his angels. Um, <laughs> anyways. Angels. I guess I'm next. Um, my L is going to go to none other than... Uh, Superstar shooting guard for the Houston Rockets, 
James Harden. Um, Very confident James Harden after they took game one in the Lakers in the series. Um, he, he was quoted saying, I don't know why people keep saying we're small. I don't care if you're seven feet. If you don't have heart, it doesn't matter. Right? So since that game, James Harden has, you know, shown his heart. Him and Russell Westbrook have shown their heart, right? Has some, they've taken turns having decent games. Um, you know, Russell was kind of a disappearing act in the first couple games. Uh, they still managed without it with this poor, you know, production. Um, and then in the biggest game, probably of the series for the Rockets, which was his last game, because we all know the series over at this point. Um, Harden decided to shoot two for 11 and literally didn't score a single point in the fourth quarter of the biggest game of possibly of his career and his coach's career that he's playing for, um, undyingly supportive of this coach and his system and the small ball um, way about things, you know, um, with Harden leading the pack there. So we go from the, the overly confident, surprising game one win of what people were calling the hardest um, playoff series for LeBron in the West possibly at this point. Uh, which is laughable in itself because they're up 3-1 at this point now. Um, but for Harden to boast about the heart of not only himself but this team and him being the leader of his team, shooting 2 of 11, only scoring 21 points because he got to the line, what, six, what shot 16, 17 free throws, I believe, to get him just to 21 points. Um, yeah, I mean, let's talk about the heart. I want to know where that heart went. I want to know why this continues to be a trend for James Harden in his career and Russell Westbrook in their careers. Um, I just think this might be who these guys are. I love them as players. They're great to watch. They're fun TV to tune into. Um, but when the time comes, man, these guys have had opportunity after opportunity. They've had good coaches. They've had good rosters. They've been up in series and then failed in those series. Um, this is just, just another instance of where James Harden gets ahead of himself Russell, West, West, Russell Westbrook is yelling at the crowd, living in the moment, and before he knows it, that moment's gone, and he's down two, three games in a series, about to blow it again. So this is kind of a simultaneously L for not only James Harden, but Russell Westbrook, but I'm giving it to James Harden solely because he's supposed to be the leader of this team. This is his chance to finally get over that hump um, as being you know this superstar leader, and, and his numbers are all, always going to be great. He's a great scorer, um, but... Here we go again. This is this is the James Harden roller coaster, man. Um, I don't. I almost didn't do this L because I didn't want to jinx the series and watch them win two straight games and make it you know go seven here. I don't believe that's going to happen. So I'm pretty confident in this in this in this take here. But I mean, two of eleven, zero points in the fourth, and you want to talk about heart? What? How? How in the hell can you even <laughs> say that quote and then literally do the opposite of living up to that? When the the most important quarter, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like it was a tight knit game, and he's doing everything everything he can to keep the game tight. They were getting blown out, and he still wasn't bringing the energy, you know. So as the leader of the team, you know, you know your coach's job is damn near depending on you. I know it's a lot of pressure, but where's the heart? Where's the heart that you're boasting about when you guys, you know, took game one and your your nuts were all pumped? You know, where's that at now? So this is just another instance, man, of, of us of us witnessing playoff James Harden. Playoff Russell Westbrook. I can't wait for the next series to see Playoff P. But we'll get to that later. Um, so James Harden, man, in the meantime, sorry, buddy, you had your chance. Unfortunately, this might be your last chance to ever have a chance. 
um, and getting yeah, one of those sweet nectars of the title there. Unless you join the, you can always come to the, the Lakers. Um, I'm sure you get your game elevated over there. But anyways, <laughs> you have a, you have a good shot, buddy. But your shot has come and gone for once again, and you've blown it. And you were, you spoke too soon once again. So my buddy James Harden, unfortunately, and my buddy Reese, my neighbor, my lovely neighbor Reese, <laughs> James Harden fanboy. If you ever see this, buddy, I just want you to know that we you're still welcome to join the bandwagon. Um, there's one Reese game gonna left. owe me dinner after this series. We're yeah, sick man. on that shit. Yeah, so might go fogo the show. So I'm hoping. I'm show. Hoping, yeah. So when, show. when once the Lakers are facing playoff P, he can come over and watch. You know, uh, that <laughs> series take contender. place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so Reese, Russ Westbrook, James Harden. The Rockets in general, you guys tried, but you you, you, you you faced another juggernaut here, man, and you're just falling short, and you spoke too soon. So go ahead and do me a big old favor and hold this L. I got to admit, getting your nuts pumped sounds <laughs> pumping extremely nuts. painful. There's nothing like it, man. I'm telling you. I don't want that. Same. Keep all that shit. It's a kink. So sounds, it's not sounds, for everybody. Sounds nuts. For- <laughs> um, Bye. So. You're <laughs> muted. Football season just started, and uh, it's hard to collect L's in the world of football right now because it's so new. We've had literally one game, so how could I find an L in the world of the NFL right now? So kind of had to dig deep. No, wait, I didn't. I just went to Twitter. (laughs) And Twitter's so great because Twitter is just loaded with receipts. And as you recall, the Chiefs played the Texans twice last season and played the Texans just a day ago, or if you're listening to this podcast, this on, on Thursday night. And last year, the Chiefs played the Texans, I believe it was week f- five or six. I want to say, I know Shaggy Shane's going to correct me while he's listening to the pod. Um, I believe, I want to say, I want to say week six. And Tyreek Hill had just gotten back from a shoulder injury that he'd suffered week one. And yeah, if, if you could look that up, Gat, and tell me what week that was. So I'm, yeah, 2019 schedule. Yeah, uh, when they faced the Texans. Yeah, I believe it was week. Six. It's either week five or week six. I know the Colts was right before uh, it. Texans. Let's see. Crap. I want to say it was week. It was. I believe it was. 2019. Yeah, 2019 schedule. Uh, the Colts game. Was, Texans. No, they played. The, they lost the 31-24. Yeah, they came into Arrowhead and beat us. Yeah, because Frank Clark was still injured. Probably. Well, regardless, they, they faced him. It was Tyreek Hill's first game back. And if you remember, there was this amazing play. I was, in the, I was in the back of the end zone that it actually happened in where Tyreek Hill went up and grabbed this just absolute nuclear bomb from Patrick Mahomes like 55 yards out. And Tyreek Hill uh, caught it over Justin Reed, safety, free safety Justin Reed from the Texans, <laughs> and got the touchdown. There it is, 31-24. Uh, what week October was that? 13th. Okay, so, it was, so yeah, it was, was, I think it was week six. Yeah. Okay, so... Justin Reed didn't like that too much, as you can imagine, because you know Tyreek Hill came back and caught an amazing touchdown. But then, you know the Texans got the W. But the NFL on May 10th of this year uh, tweeted out Mahomes Watson, another classic between these two coming at kickoff of Week One, and they've showed that highlight of Tyreek Hill catching that pass over Justin Reed and getting the touchdown. Justin Reed went on to quote tweet that and said, yeah, we going to see what happens just throwing the ball up when I have my shoulder brace off this year. So he's calling a shot, basically, like letting him know, hey, I'm not to be fucked with Stop this it. time around. Well, Patrick Mahomes went on to have three touchdowns to three different receivers. Justin Reed was on the field on all three plays. But that's not the one that got Justin Reed. As you recall, and as we've been talking on the show a few times, 
The Chiefs had a rookie running back by the name of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire literally have groundbreaking plays last night or Thursday, and his first touchdown took place on Thursday. Do you want to know whose ankles Clyde Edwards-Hilaire broke in the open field to get his first career touchdown? That would be one Justin Reed. So, not only did Justin Reed not help in the offensive side, and Tyreek Hill once again got a touchdown against the Texans, and Justin Reed was about eight feet from him when he caught the touchdown. Justin Reed was the reason why our rookie running back was getting rushing touchdowns. So he wasn't just giving up passing touchdowns. He's giving up rushing touchdowns. So, Justin, I want to personally thank you for contributing to the Chiefs' victory on Thursday night. So, Justin, I have a gift for you, a parting gift, as you head back to Houston and you're about to suffer a second L this week when you face the Ravens. And do me a favor and hold hold this this L. L. Appreciate you. Looking forward to seeing you again. Probably having, not in the playoffs, though. having trouble reading that offense. Woo! Justin reading it. Nice. Well done, Trevor. Like the punt. I tried. Wow. Kent Swanson would approve. So this is a fun show, as always. I like to say that because it is the truth. We have an absolute blast. Uh, it sucks that Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo had to walk out. I'm sure his L was going to be for the oh, Rockets, oh, too. I was supposed to give that. I, don't worry. It was Oh, not, let's get it. Um, I just breezed over it. I apologize. What's but, Eddie's L? Uh, Eddie's L, to no surprise, is... My L goes to a Formula One team. <laughs> Racing the Point. F1. No shit. He keeps the streak alive. Racing Point, fuck you. <laughs> that's, all, that's it. And I said, Eddie, go take your quiz, smart boy. And then he got mad at me. Did his dad back. chime in and let him know he was in his room and he's grounded? <laughs> that was so weird. Yeah. I go, what do you mean? Got you cookies and milk waiting for you, Eddie. He's like, I know what that word means. Like, F1. Spanish. I know what Cuerto is. Hey, hey F1 cannot... Dodge an L this week from the Spoken Podcast. Every <laughs> single week, F1 is getting an F you. Should I start tagging Formula One and all of the hey. podcasts just so everyone knows no. what Formula One is? Let's let it be known. You know, maybe we'll get Sergio, <laughs> like absolutely Sergio not. Garcia, whatever his name is, that just left that team. Yeah, Eddie was pissed about that. So uh, Lewis Hamilton kind of took an L because he has a private jet and all these like transportation methods. But then he was bragging about having an electric Mercedes on Instagram. <laughs> like, hey guys, I'm doing my part. It's like you have a fucking jet. Eddie dude. hates Lewis Hamilton too because he says he gets like all the best equipment and stuff. So it's not even fair that he gets to race oh, the way amazing. he does with Mercedes. Yeah, so trust me. I've been right, learning about F1 like nauseam with this dude. So good L, Eddie. I have a girlfriend. That's really one, so uh we might have to get them on man yeah. we're gonna have to start taking talking f1 i'll have dedicated segments to f1 but in the meantime i want to thank all the viewers all the listeners whether you're on the live stream youtube <laughs> podcast whatever you guys are on man we really do appreciate you guys it's so much fun to talk and interact with you guys and now we're at the, the peak season for us here at the spoken podcast we got football and for the first time we have football baseball basketball and hockey at the same time this has literally never happened we are spoiled man and for me personally trevor selfishly we get to watch the two greatest athletes in the world and patrick mahomes and lebron james play at the same time this is unbelievable and i cannot wait to see them both win a title in the same year gonna be stoked in the meantime thank you guys so much i appreciate all you follow us on spoke on the spoken on facebook and on twitter hit us up uh, subscribe to kcpn we have incredible contributors doesn't even have to do with the sports man we're the sports show we have other sports shows like midwest mics that are killing it as well but, man, we got Marlon out there, man. We got uh, uh, Gutter Sluts. We got our guy Rob. We got Gat Chats, for Christ's sake. She's made a revival, man. It's been an absolute blast watching those. KCP is where you need to be, man. Because, uh, you know, the quarantine's still technically going, in a way. 
enjoy enjoy the content, man. I'm telling you, we have what you want. We have what you need, man. So thank you guys so much again for love. For Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo. For Gat on the ones and twos, DJ Gat. I am Lance Twidwell signing off for episode 81. We will see you guys for episode 82. Jay Binkley will be on here to talk Chargers, Chiefs. Hey. Can't wait. Hey. You guys have a great night. We're out of this, bitch. Later. If you've got a personal auto insurance question, you could talk to a cab driver. Although the policies he recommends might include avoiding the interstate, beating traffic by taking the back roads, and only making left turns when absolutely necessary. Or you could talk to your local GEICO agent, whose policy is to use their expertise to navigate your insurance, finding the best route to help you save money on insurance for your home, car, and more. And as an added bonus, you'll be able to avoid traffic jams and potholes entirely. To find a GEICO agent near you, visit geico.com local. 911, what's your emergency? Una camioneta. Una camioneta que se cruzan las vías. Y el tren. Ay, Dios mío. Señora, ¿me está diciendo que un tren le pegó a una camioneta? Sí. Yo pensé que alcanzaría a cruzar. El hijo iba rápido, creo, y después. Ay, Dios mío, qué horror. No puedes saber a qué velocidad viene un tren. Por eso están los señalamientos de advertencia. Obedécelos. Alto. El tren no para. Mensaje de Netza.